Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, gang? Welcome back to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, lots to get to today. Monday Night Football last night was a double dud, two blowouts, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. But tons of hockey news today. Some significant retirements, a new highest paid player in the National Hockey League, and of course, the countdown to Winnipeg Jets training camp continues with the Young Stars back from Penticton, as is our pal Dan Fink, the voice of the Manitoba Moose. Dan was out covering the event in Penticton. He'll break it all down for us. Who caught his eye? And not only players that will be projecting to challenge for spots on the Jets, but some of the players that could be spending a year with the Manitoba Moose as well. So looking forward to that. Obviously, we'll continue to hit the big stories around the Winnipeg Jets impending training camp, including the change in the leadership group. Brandon Rowicki is going to jump on a little bit later on with us, as well as a trip to the pigskin John Hodge of Three Down Nation will talk some CFL, and I'm looking forward to getting his thoughts on the National Football League through two weeks as well. So lots to get to. First things first, though, I do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, F Apparel, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Consolidated Supply, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, and of course our friends quenching us all and hydrating the community at Culligan Water. Let's get Michael Remus in here to get things going. As I mentioned, Dan Fink first up, Brandon Rowicki and John Hodge a little bit later on. Remo, what's going on? Yeah, I'm just uh, frothing at the mouth here. Uh, waiting. Marat just <laughs> tweeted an hour ago, the Jets training camp roster may be out soon. So I think the Jets know what time we start here. So may have to give them a little nudge. Hopefully we get it before the show's over. Gotta love while. those 1 p.m. news drops for uh, the WST they know. gang. They know. So... <laughs> So, uh, you know, a lot, no shortage of topics here. We've got a lot of NHL news, but also the Jets as we look ahead to training camp begins Thursday. Yeah, we're going to be all over that. Hey, before we get to the Jets talk, um, last night the Bills steamrolled the Titans. The Vikings looked, I mean, horrible after such a great start to the season against the Packers. But while the games were duds, the best thing that I think any of us saw on television last night was after the game when they flipped over to Sports Center, the return of Darren Dutition, who looked great back with his tag team partner, Jen Hedger, the best one-two punch when it comes to the highlight game in, in my book. And after being away, being treated for cancer for, I believe, upwards of a year, Man, Remo, it was great to see Dutch back on. I mean, he is, uh, you know, just such a beloved dude that's been doing this so long. And honestly, I'm not sure anybody does it better. A real kind of throwback to the glory days of highlight shows. Uh, and man, he's been missed. And what a great sight that was to see Dutchie back on the tube last night after the games. Yeah, I saw the video there uh, on Twitter. Um, looking good, says he's feeling good. And, you know, wanting to get back to what he does best. And, uh, Doing doing a sports center and yeah, we all grew up watching a uh, Darren Titian. I'm you know having flashbacks here to the black and yellow uh, OG TSN logo. Think of him. Uh, actually, I'll say my favorite um, TSN commercial. He used to do like promos 
for Sports Center. There's one. It's like Rodsky and Dutch when Rod Smith and Darren Detition did it together. But now it's him and uh, and Jen Hedger, and that was a that was a feel good video of um, social media yesterday. And great to see him back in the chair. I'm just thinking about this right now, and feel free in the chat. This isn't our why not question of the day, but it can be an extra why not question of the day, if you will. If you were going out for a night, you wanted to go watch some games and have a bunch of beers, and you could draft any of the TSN or Sportsnet personalities <laughs> just to hang out for a night over some suds, I think Dutch is like, you know, certainly for anybody, any sports center or sports desk or a sports central um anchors i think dutch would be number one with a bullet wow uh i never thought about this question um sure D ken dutch? reed ken reed is funny he's a funny dude yeah. he'd be good obviously hedge is awesome and i think i literally like ivanka as well and you know there's some of the younger the younger sports center people that i don't know if we really know those personalities as well but it's very very clear that dutch is a sports guy I think he'd be the closest to one of your buddies that would just be sitting down. And I really do think he's sort of the same guy that we see on Sports Center every night when you see him, in, uh, you know, live in person. Anyways, just a really, really great sight last night. Just want to give him a big shout out. He's got a lot of fans here in the middle of the country. And um, obviously, everyone's been pulling for Darren Detition and great to see him back. As far as the games last night, though, goes Reem, um, we'll get to hockey right away. The Bills, what a wagon. Um, they made the Tennessee Titans tap out in the third quarter. Um, it was a good thing there was another game last night because there was absolutely no drama whatsoever in the game in Buffalo. And unfortunately for Vikes fans, there wasn't much more in Philly later on. Yeah, I mean, good thing. you. Got, I guess you kind of got one complete game because you basically had two half games. Um, the Buffalo Bills, yes, as you said, wagon, Stephon Diggs, Absolutely uh, incredible. I had some friends text me laughing that they bet the over on his yardage prop. It was like oh. 75 uh, yards or something. And if you had him in fantasy, uh, I think you did pretty well. Bill's defense too. Um, yeah, Tennessee, they just like haven't been that team that they have. Lee said yesterday that, you know, Derrick Henry hasn't been as explosive lately because of his injuries. Maybe that is, that is it. But he usually heats up as the season goes on. As for Minnesota, I felt like a dummy all night saying on this show that I would take Minnesota on Monday night. I you like told the me Vikes Kurt, too. You told like me Kirk Cousins. Too. You told me that he had, you know, what slayed the dragon that he's won. Yeah. His he last turned into two Mr. Monday, Monday night. night. No, that uh, was fake news. Yeah, it was fake news. It wasn't to be yesterday. It looked rough. Meanwhile, Jalen Hurts. I mean, this guy's a fantasy cheat code. He can run. He can throw. AJ Brown's been great for them. Their offense looking really. Strong, so it was a tough one. And I did enjoy a tweet from Gabe, uh, Sports Rage on Twitter, Gabe Morenzi, saying, you know what, the Vikings have been, uh, you know, laying eggs on national TV games for 50 years. It's amazing how the same team does this over and over again. And I was like, you know what, he's actually, well, I mean, they had some good teams before, but... Uh, this was uh, this was definitely a stinker yesterday. It was. Dalvin Cook only had 17 yards on the ground. Uh, Justin Jefferson fanny, fantasy owners were disappointed. And the bottom line is Kirk Cousins is going to have nightmares about Darius Slay for months after the job that he did. And if I recall correctly, he used to abuse Cousins back when he was on the Lions. And now he's doing it for the Eagles. Uh, I, my judgment was reserved on Philly so far. 
But man, a few more performances like that, and I think that even if you are, uh, you know, we're uh, we're negative on their chances to be the team that everyone was talking about, might have to turn around and say, you know what? I think they are. Uh, Hurts, the performance of Hurts, and the development of him into a top quarterback has been amazing. Absolutely, I mean, he could be just doing the lock shop with Dustin Nielsen. Subscribe to Lock Shop wherever you get your podcasts. He said, I mean, the way it's looking right now, at least through these games and that performance last night, is Jalen Hurts could be a guy that wins a lot of people their leagues if they waited a little bit and got hurts a little bit later on. All right, all that being said, let's uh, let's get to some of the big hockey news. And we'll put this in uh, right now. Let's get to the why not question of the day. Um, because with training camp coming right around the corner, um, interested to find out your thoughts on you know, what you believe the biggest storyline of Winnipeg Jets camp could come. Obviously, Rick Bonus's first training camp, uh, the candidates for the letters and the leadership group, who will be in the lineup on the blue line in the home opening game? Will Shifley and Wheeler play together? And uh, a question that I think we all know the answer to, or at least my opinion on this, is it time for Nikolai Ehlers to finally get a run with a top power play unit? I think the answer, answer to that is yes. Uh, but so many interesting storylines around the Winnipeg Jets, as Dave Poulin mentioned to us yesterday on the program. Uh, there's going to be a lot of content coming out of this hockey club right now, hopefully for the good, but a lot of intrigue. So in the comments or in the chat, the number one storyline to you as we get into Winnipeg Jets training camp. And we'll have some more time to kick this around with Rewiki a little bit later on, Remo. But before we do that, we should get to some big news in the National Hockey League. We'll get to the retirements in a second. But as I mentioned coming into the program, there is a new highest paid player in the National Hockey League, and that is Stanley Cup champion Nathan McKinnon, who was playing on a very, very team-friendly deal, just over $6 million for the last six seasons. He now gets paid, and he certainly earned it, uh, an, a contract in excess of $100 million, just slightly more than Connor McDavid. And uh, he will be there for eight more years. And uh, certainly for Denver fans and the guys in the Avalanche organization, hopefully a few more summers full of parties and uh, carrying around hockey's holy trophy. Yeah, they've been uh, taking this cup on tour uh, across Denver to start training camp. Uh, They're even at the Broncos game. Uh, Pretty awesome. But congratulations, Nate McKinnon. 100 million. You know, when I saw the alert said 100 million dollar contract, I was like, whoa. And Highest AAV, just beating Connor McDavid's AAV has by uh, 100,000. And I do wonder if maybe is it going to be Austin Matthews who surpasses that? Because yes, the, big the story, answer to that is 100% yes. The big story, yeah, he's two years away from unrestricted free agency. But good for Colorado getting their guy locked up. Good for Nathan McKinnon because we had talked about how he had been so underpaid for so long. And I even saw Dom... His uh, tweet saying that McKinnon might even still be underpaid, especially if uh, the salary cap uh, goes up. So um, Colorado, they've got him locked up, and we can look at their team because they're in the Jets division. We're going to be seeing them quite a bit. And I remember, um, you know, Tyler Sagan would be the guy who beat up on the Jets all the time, and even you know, with their diminished roles, they still did. Bennett Sagan <laughs> this past year, but. You look at their, they got ranted in for three more years. Landeskog, he signed last year for you know, a bunch more years. There's McKinnon, long-term. Yakushin, they signed. Lekkinen, signed long-term. Makar, 
Sam Gerard, Josh Manson long term. So they've they're, they're in pretty, pretty good long- shape. They're in pretty they got us pretty solid core and uh, I haven't really looked at the cool bet odds for repeating as Stanley Cup champions, but I'm sure they're number one. They are the favorite. Now, Doug Phil, uh, or sorry, Bart Omen in chat. There goes the Avs chances. No team with a player with an AAV over 10 million has ever won the cup in the salary cap era. That is true. Um, however, that's going to change at some point, and I would argue that maybe the best chance of that happening could be next year with Nathan McKinnon. Although this is an extension. So I believe next yes. year he won't technically be making the 12 million. This essentially keeps him as an avalanche for the remainder of his career, uh, unless he plays more than nine more NHL seasons. Yeah. Th- this year he's making 6.3. So it'll kick into 12.6 after I'm not here for that argument. I don't think that's a causation um, thing. So, I mean, yeah, maybe, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen in the future. Salary cap's going to go up. Colorado is very smart general manager, the way they handle contracts, the way they spend money. So, um, you know, if you pair him with some cheaper guys down low, you know, the lower part of the order, I think you can do that. So um, you pay pay your top guys and then your bottom guys, you can have them, have them lower salary and you just don't want to do any overpays, well, the other- but... Yeah, the the other huge advantage when you're a team like Colorado now that's mm-hmm. one that's the defending Stanley Cup champs is that, you know, as the squeeze continues for the middle and lower class under the cap era, if the guys are going to have to be taking less money, it sure as hell rather do it in a place where they've got a great chance for a long playoff run and hopefully to win a Stanley Cup. And, you know, we saw that with Rodriguez signing. Um, yes. And that's part of the reason why, Remus, I think it was pretty clear that as much as they would have loved to have had Nassim Kadri back, the term and the dollar figure that they were that he was going to get and certainly deserved just was not compatible with the raises they need to give to the true young core of this club. Kale McCarr got his big deal last year, and now um, an NHL high contract, but one that was absolutely earned by Nathan McKinnon, who by any standard has been criminally underpaid over the second half of his contract. Yeah. I uh, I agree with you there, Hassan. Bart Oman does say um, you had thought that with Chicago, they gave the two guys over ten million. Look how that uh, look how that turned out. I haven't had a chance to do a deep dive of Chicago, but uh, I think that's a different different situation. Not here for blanket statements, but uh, I think Colorado they're pretty well positioned, and you saw them grab Evan Rodriguez, as you said, for a million. People want to go there, want a cup chase, and Colorado Denver also a great city, so. Uh, they're going to be, yeah. uh, we're going to be seeing a lot for, of them. I'm here for Bart's argument. And I think history has told us that up until this point, the teams have been a little yeah. bit more balanced. However, I don't think like, I think Colorado still has a better chance of winning it again with Nathan McKinnon signed at that number than if they didn't have Nathan McKinnon, if you know what I'm saying. I, but I, Colorado's not going to be like, Hey, a team's never won a cup with a guy I'm, over 10 million. Sorry, Nate. We can't, we got to go to 9.9 max. Like they're not, we haven't heard the internal salary cap. There's some teams that apparently yeah. have internal salary caps that we heard of before. Yeah. They're not, not doing that. So, uh, hmm. look, well, we'll see how the salary cap moves up. Um, you know, if you can lock up a guy, top guy in the league to that. Sure. I, I mean, good, good for him and, and good for the team. Now, uh, we've got some more interesting news on uh, just how things are going to be working with the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin Shoveldayoff clarified some roles to Thomas Drantz in an interview with The Athletic. We'll touch on that as well as some of the other storylines. But just elsewhere in the National Hockey League, big news was McKinnon's deal. 
but some pretty legendary players, Remo, calling it a career today. Keith Yandel, who was the NHL Ironman for a short period of time. P.K. Subban hanging it up as well after an incredible career. And the guy that we thought might never retire, Big Z himself, Zdeno Chara. And with Chara's retirement, there is not a single active player remaining in the National Hockey League that has ever lost a playoff series to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, wow. Um, Zdeno Chara, absolute legend, started the career with what, the Islanders, went to Ottawa. You know, then Ottawa re-signed Wade Redden instead of Chara. Chara goes to Boston. Oh. What is, how does the Sens history look different if they kept Chara and moved Redden? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It was always, the Sens team was always so good to us. They could never beat the Leafs. And as you said, Chara, the last remaining NHL player to lose to the Leafs in a playoff <laughs> series. But, all, you know, legend, uh, Norris Trophy, you know, playoff appearances, captain of the Bruins. They're retiring his numbers. Like it's already been decided. Signs the one-day contract with the Bruins. So, um, yeah, end of an era here. Last player who lost to the Leafs now now retired. That's the lead story, right? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly we're going to have some fun with it. I laughed out loud when I saw that stat rolled out by Barry Patechki earlier on. Um, and, hey, listen, I know you. we want to get your Jets topics in on the Why Not question of the day. Brought to you by our friends at Why Not, uh, at Not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery online at not.ca. But here's another question for you and for everyone in the chat. P.K. Subban, is he a Hall of Famer? No. You don't think so? Well, he won a Norris Trophy, right? He won a Norris Trophy. I believe he was an all-star or, uh, you know, a first-team all-star for three, four years overall. I mean, had some big point seasons, was part of the Montreal Canadiens, which is certainly going to help your notoriety. Like, Chara is automatic first ballot Hall Mm -hmm. of Famer. I don't think Yandel has a shot, but I am interested in people's thoughts on P.K. Subban. Because, um, you know, I think that, and you know, and obviously his big personality as well. I mean, he was a very, you know, when you talk about Hall of Fame, um, there were a few more famous players than P.K. Subban, and I know that's not really the criteria for getting into the hall, uh, but I'm interested whether people think that he is, he isn't, or is he going to be one of those guys that gets consideration for a few years and then gets in later on in his eligibility? Yeah, I never I never even thought about that. Chara, of course, um, I don't know if P.K. played long enough, but he was, you know, a top, you know, you want to see, is, was the guy a top player in the league? And he was uh, winning, winning the Norris Trophy. Um, so he went to the what the Cup final with Nashville, played in some big series with Montreal. But I don't know. He played 13 seasons. I don't know if he played long enough to back the last couple. I mean, he really fell off to the point where um, you know he may not have, he may have had to sign a PTO or a one million dollar contract. But there are players who've had you know shorter careers but very high peaks get in. Um, Maybe for off the ice stuff, because I see people in chat saying, okay, who's he going to sign with next? Uh, ESPN, Sportsnet, TSN, like pick your, pick your uh, media organization. But no, I don't, I don't think so, but I can, I can tell you by looking at the chat here, there is not a lot of support for PK Subban's hall of fame credentials here at Winnipeg sports talk today. Um, 
But I mean, would you let a complete whiner into the hall? Enough said. James, I can guarantee you his candidacy will not be determined on whether fans think that he whined a lot or not. Um, listen, I, I would say it's probably less likely than more likely, but it's certainly a conversation. And while I don't think he gets in when he's first eligible, it wouldn't at all surprise me if at some point P.K. Subban um, is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, but the guy that's going straight in, and hell, considering how long he played, they could maybe just you know, completely scrap the waiting period as Chara. Chara, it will go down as one of the most unique players in NHL history, Remus, and uh, the career that he had, how dominating he was well into his 40s, um, is, a, it, it, you know, he's a player and a story we probably won't see for a long, long time. Chara, yeah, I mean, everyone's searching for the next Chara. We hear that all the time uh, with guys of that height. Um, you know, it took him a while to come into his own, you know, when he was, when he's traded to Ottawa, as he said, from the Islanders. And then he was so awkward when he started getting into preseason in the first little bit in the mm-hmm. league, but found, um, you know, he, he grew into, I mean, arguably one of the most important players on a hell of a great cup team that was deep from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, those Boston teams, uh, you know, Shane Knighty was a part of them, uh, I remember, and they won the cup against Vancouver, you know, lost a couple cups as well. Uh, I mean, all-time great Big Z, as they call him, and also has, holds the record for hardest slap shot, which I can't really see being broken. I think it was 108 miles an hour at the all-star uh, skills competition. So, I mean, he's legendary. How many games has? 1680 games, 680 points. I also played 200 playoff games. Uh, so what a, what a career. Just pushing 2000 games in the national yeah. hockey league between uh, we're close to 1900 between that, uh, the regular season and the playoffs. He was always a favorite of mine. And uh, I think a lot of fans for uh, the way that he played, but also, a really, a really classy guy, and I think an incredible leader. And I, I'll, I'll just mention this um, because it was something. It was a topic that we've talked long about, and it sort of, I guess, does tie into the change in the leadership group here in Winnipeg. But you know, when we were hearing a lot of things about, oh, it's a young team and young players, I'll always remember a quote from Zen Ochara about the Boston Bruins locker room while he was there, and how. They welcomed players in, and the second that they were called up or getting their NHL debut or playing with the Boston Bruins, they were treated as such, as NHLers, as teammates. There was no rookieing. There was no hazing, like even sort of fun things because, you know, Chara said that he wanted and they needed everyone to feel like they belonged and they were part of the team for the best interest of it. I'm not sure that was always the case here. Um but I really do think that he was the uh, the blueprint for a warrior and one of the best captains we've seen in the National Hockey League for a long time. And it's those little things about the way they treated, not the superstar players, but the other guys on their team, the way they welcomed them into Boston and the way they built that culture, which for a long time, Remo, was, the, uh, was basically the standard in the National Hockey League for the way it's done. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, Norris Trophy winner. He did win the Marc Messier NHL Leadership Award as well and represented Slovakia in multiple uh, international tournaments. I love some of those uh, Slovakia teams. 
with Gabrick and Hosa. Don't you have a jersey? Ziggy Don't Palfi. you have a Slovakian jersey? I do. I have to decide who I'm going to get on it. But yes, uh, well, Tara, yeah. you should get Chara. It's pretty obvious. I don't I don't think I'm a char I don't I think it's weird if I wear like a Chara jersey. Like I'm not six foot how old is he? Six foot nine or tall. Six foot nine? That's I'm a smallerish guy. <laughs> I'm not I can't do it. There's no height restrictions on Chara replica yeah. jerseys. Just just saying. Um listen, <laughs> we'll have more on this a little later on. Rawiki's gonna join us. We will talk some pigskin with John Hodge. Uh but we're gonna wrap the Penticton Young Stars tournament with Dan Fink coming up in just a minute. Hey, before we do that, i got to give a big shout out to our newest sponsors, the guys over at Consolidated Supply. Uh, great to have new sponsors, but especially when they're big-time listeners. And I know Joe Spicy, Gino and the gang, regular WSTers, and it's great to have them on board. Uh, they've been you know, running the golf business for a long time here in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, working with courses around the province on irrigation systems. But for you, your home, your property, your family, they can certainly help you with elite irrigation DIY solutions to get your lawn green and lush as possible uh, or some things where you can check on and get things watered out at the lake when you're not even there. But they also have incredible artificial turf options. If you need something to uh, you know, protect and you know, withstand your pest waste or grass that won't grow in shaded area, they can help you out. And if you want that dream putting green in your backyard, head down and see our longtime listener, Joe, at the branch, and they can set you up. And speaking of incredible backyard options, outdoor kitchens as well and a great selection of hot tubs. So uh, if you're looking to step up the backyard game, Consolidated Supply is the place to do it. Of course, they're also the club car dealer and have everything, two, six, four, six-person golf carts. Find out more, Consolidated Supply, in person, 1395 Niagara Road East, or check them out online at cte.ca. Um, the gang at Vita Health Fresh Market's busy as we head into the fall. If you want great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, shop at any one of the seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at myvita.ca. When you shop at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family and owned and operated since 1936. They also carry Winnipeg's a large, a largest selection and assortment of local products, too. And, hey, great delicious lunch options like Spider Market salads, soup sandwiches, and more in their grab-and-go deli. Pop down and visit Vita Health Fresh Market's seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And I know the Wallace and Wallace gang has had a wild summer. Um, busy. They've been the go-to people for fencing in well for decades around Winnipeg and we've seen their trucks and fences all over the city what you might not know is that they also work with Clopay the largest garage door manufacturer in the world and despite supply chain issues everyone's been experiencing you can still get a beautiful new garage door delivered and installed within four weeks just in time for the snow to fly and the very busy fall and winter season. And hey, speaking of doors, did you know a new garage door can add up to 4% to the value of your home? With 161 styles of garage doors to choose from, there's a style that's right for your home. They also service them like they helped out Michael Remus and a few of our listeners. Visit them at wallacedoors.com, give them a call, or visit their showroom on Lawson Road. And hey, a big cheers to our friends at Aikens Lake. We're just finishing up their busiest season ever. If 
you're thinking about a world-class fly and fishing experience where you can be on the water after the flight in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens is the spot. And as incredible as the fishing is, the people and the hospitality are even better. And that's what makes the Aikens experience. Find out more online, AikensLake.com, or check them out on any of their socials at Aikens Lake. All right, back from Penticton and back on WST, our guy, the Fink, voice of the Manitoba Moose, Dan Fink, back on the program. Fink, it's been a minute. How was your summer, my man? Oh, it's, uh, it was, it was nice. I mean, once, once summer finally started there about a month in, uh, every, everything was pretty nice. Spent some days by the pool, get back home to Calgary to see my folks a little bit. That was real nice. And overall just recoup and enjoy the summer because, uh, it's going to pick up here in a little bit. Well, you know, I, uh, it's already picking up and, uh, it picked up on the weekend. Our first chance to see a number of these young first round picks and a number of other prospects Overall, how did the tournament go? We'll kind of get into some individual players, but from uh, well, from Mark Morrison's perspective, who was uh, in charge of leading the group, um, how did uh, how did he feel that uh, the three games and the experience for these young players went out west? I mean, first off, it, it's such a great tournament, and I hadn't been out to it since I think it was the 2017 edition. So it was nice to get back after a long absence because the vibe of the tournament is great. Nobody's lost a game yet, so all the the hockey operations folks are in great moods, and uh, the, the, it's kind of the dawn of camp. It's kind of like first day of school. Everybody's psyched to see each other. Lots of uh, uh, reunions. There was a whole ton of, interestingly enough, Moose alumni uh, through their various positions, whether it's with the Jets or other organizations that were getting together throughout the whole weekend. So it's a really great vibe off the ice. And then once you get to it, though, I mean, all the kids are just so excited to uh, to get a chance to put on those NHL jerseys. Uh, for many, it's their first opportunity. For some guys, it's old hat, and we'll talk about some of those guys. But uh, it was it was a good tournament. I think it's uh, it's really valuable. I mean, just I mean, there's so many different things trying to be accomplished for some players. I mean, what Cole Perfetti gets out of that tournament is different than maybe what Danny Zilkin gets out of that tournament. And uh, for guys trying to get a little bit of a tune-up and get uh, into that competitive mode before training camps, that's great. For other guys trying to come back of in, off injury and just get a feel for the puck again, that's great. And for guys getting that experience that's a little closer to pro than they might be used to, it, it's it's great as well. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun being at that tournament. Uh, there's a lot of learning that goes on for the players and uh, hopefully they got out about what they want. It was a great experience. Well, uh, Cole Perfetti, you mentioned, he of course spent plenty of time with the Manitoba Moose, played time with the Jets last year, but missed the better part of the second half of the season with injury, did not play in the World Juniors. And, um, you know, maybe norm in a normal situation wouldn't have been part of this group, but I think one of the reps and wanted to play with some of these young players. Um, he really did stand out at times in the event, didn't he? Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you forget he's he's been around for a couple seasons, but he's still only 20 years old. I mean, yeah. he's he's kind of in the middle age range of some of these guys that are at this tournament. So I don't think there's uh, anything wrong with uh, with some of these guys getting a chance to to play at that tournament. And actually, we were laughing about it kind of the first day. Guys are getting their headshots taken and. Uh, uh, I made a crack to, to Cole. I said, what is this, your first rookie camp? And then we both looked at each other and went, 
oh, wait, it actually was his first rookie tournament because uh, of just how weird the last couple of years have been. So uh, definitely a good experience for him. He gets a chance to kind of lead the way and be one of the leaders with that crew. So um, that's a good experience for him and show, and show the way. And of course, like you said, getting in those touches so valuable when he hadn't played a game in, in so very long. I mean, see for Chaz Lucius as well, guys who had to play Greg Morellis, part of that group as well. He missed the kind of the, the last bit of the season with the Moose. So there was more than a few guys that were getting their first game action and first competitive action in a while and uh, they definitely made the most of the chance well perfetti in particular i mean really sort of took over that game yesterday in the third period and sort of kind of built throughout the event which is exactly what you want to see from young players as now they need to step it up and you know go up against top nhl competition now perfetti's a little bit of a different situation considering his nhl tenure already and frankly, just where he seems to be positioned into the organizational depth chart for this year. But we did get a chance to see for the first time Chaz Lucius, who you mentioned. But I think the guy that a lot of fans really were paying close attention to and this young man delivered was Brad Lambert. And, you know, what a weird year he had playing with men, seeing his draft st uh, stock fall from a potential top three or top five pick to where the Jets got him. Uh, you would not have known that by looking at these three games for the Winnipeg Jets. Man, was he good and a real impact player yesterday, getting a chance to see what he could do along with Cole Perfetti. Yeah, that uh, that speed is definitely hops off the page. And I think at a, at a tournament like this, that's that's the one thing. I mean, guys are dealing with so many things, getting their timing back and uh, and all this. But uh, the one thing that doesn't really go away is natural skating abilities. So when a guy can fly up and down the ice like Brad Lambert, can you certainly notice it? And it was kind of interesting to watch that line in that last game because they, they got put together. I think it was about halfway through or for the third period of game two with uh, Perfetti and Morales and Lambert on the wing there. Uh, it seemed like Perfetti and Morales kind of figured out how to use that speed to their advantage uh, partway through that game, and you could see that line really start to buzz. So that was that was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you, you got to see, I mean, I'm going to kind of branch out about all three of them here, but uh, you got to see Perfetti kind of use that uh, power and the strength that he's been building over the last couple of years and, and kind of learning what it takes to play a pro game. You saw that great skating ability of Lambert on full display and some good finishing as well. And then Morales as well, jumping into that group. Well, what a pass to Lambert for that backdoor goal uh, in the third game there. So uh, those, those guys were a lot of fun to watch, but uh, uh, yeah, when you, when you can see a guy fly up and down the ice and when you know that there's still muscle to be built on and probably a, a little bit more speed to add to it, it certainly does. Uh, it does make everybody salivate, doesn't it? Well, for sure. And what's so interesting about Lambert, Dan, is that, you know, as well documented, there's so many options of where he could play this year. Um, he doesn't have a contract in Europe, and I don't believe that's part, but I guess that's certainly not out of the question. Um, he could potentially go to the Western Hockey League. I guess he could make the Jets, but there's also the possibility of playing with the Manitoba Moose. And I think that was why this tournament was especially intriguing for Jet fans, because we got a chance to see Chaz Lucius play for the first time, who... I mean, man, that finish on the goal he scored yesterday was big league. I, I, you know, from what we'd heard and seen, I mean, he didn't make a huge impact in the first couple of games. But, I mean, there's the potential that a, a, this young core could potentially be playing together with the Manitoba Moose. And I know that would give you a lot of fun to uh, to call this year. I mean, what do you make of that? And, and maybe what's at stake for a player like a Lambert going into training camp as far as where he actually plays this season? 
I think the nice thing is for, for both the players and the organization is I don't know that there's much in the way of wrong answers here, right? Yeah, I great mean, point. Tra- training camp will show, and it's as uh, going back to my Regina Pats days, John Paddock would always say the players will tell us where they need to be. And uh, that that holds true in in most situations. I mean, they'll they'll show throughout training camp, and that's that's what it's here for. The tournament is a nice little primer, and now they'll get a chance to skate with the big boys every day, which is fantastic experience for those young guys. And and a lot of those guys didn't have that opportunity the last couple of years, just with the way COVID was, and uh, camps were a little smaller. So uh, to see those guys skating with the big club, I mean, they'll they'll get a real taste of what that pro hockey is and what they need to do with their game. So and by the end of that, that uh, Jets hockey operations staff will have been able to see enough and adjudicate where those guys would be best suited to be because at the end of the day, that's what everyone wants is, is the best situation for the player. Uh, what did you see from Lucius over three games? Yeah, that you like you said in that third game, what a finish there. And you could oh. see once once that puck hit the back of the net, I think the, the confidence kind of got going. I mean, there's a guy that has not played a lot of hockey the last couple of years due to injury, which is always so tough. It's such a prime age for development. And you always see that with junior guys, college guys that go through that injury trouble, maybe takes a little bit to get going. So uh, it was great for him to get on the board there. You could see he was pretty fired up when that puck went uh, went behind the goaltender. So um, he, he got into the mix there. So I think there was a lot of kind of figuring it out as it went along as there is for so many of those players, but uh, guys, guys with that kind of a shot, we were talking about that natural ability of Lambert to get up and down the ice, but when you can shoot the puck like Chaz Lucius can, it only takes that blink of an eye to get open and then uh, they can do some real damage. Now, uh, you know, there was so much focus on those first round picks, Lambert, Lucius and Perfetti. Uh, but there's a number of other very intriguing projects and prospects uh, in, in this group. And two guys I want to ask you about how they looked here because you got a chance to see them at the end of last season was Henry Nikonen and Daniel Torgerson, who both signed late in the season, spent a little bit of time with the Manitoba Moose and showed well. Um, for fans that haven't seen those players, what sort of uh, guys are they within the organization? And how did they look at this camp considering you'd already seen them play some pro games last season, Fink? Yeah, it was kind of the interesting thing about that Young Stars team is there were 11 players on the roster who played for the Moose last season. Now, by that same token, there was only four or five guys that had significant games with the Moose, but everybody kind of a good half that roster got a taste of AHL hockey last season, like those guys you were talking about in Torgerson and Neekin, and so valuable when those guys can come over and get a few games in, and uh, in, in Neekin's case, get in a playoff game as well. So, I mean, two big, big bodies that get around the ice pretty well considering their size. I mean, both use their sticks pretty well. And uh, when when Torgerson decides he's going to the net, there's not a lot of guys that are uh, going to push him off the puck. Same with Nikonen. So uh, we saw the flashes of skill. The guys said... Uh, did a good job at doing what they do well. And, uh, you know, with, with the, that size that they have, with the ability to move around the ice, I think that's uh, that's definitely uh, something that Mark Morrison uh, could could use and utilize with the Mooses. We saw them do very effectively last season with those big bodies up and down the lineup that could get around the ice. So uh, when you have that combination, guys are going to find success. So it was a nice opportunity for them to start getting some touches right now. And we'll see how they fare in camp because everybody heading into this week – Right now, they're all Winnipeg Jets, and that's what their focus is, is trying to make that Winnipeg Jets team because nothing's set in stone just yet. So uh, they'll they'll do their darndest to knock somebody off their pedestal. 
Dan Fink is the voice of the Manitoba Moose coming back from the Penticton Young Stars camp with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you haven't already, folks, make sure you hit that red subscribe button. Subscribe to the channel. You can download the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. And make sure you join us if you're able to live every day on YouTube right here at 1 o'clock p.m. Easy to focus in on the forwards because of some of the star power and where the players were drafted. Um, but you can't win without a solid blue line. What did you make of the defense? And was there a player or two that maybe really stood out at the camp and from your perspective, Dan? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, like you said, there's so much focus on the forwards because the last, especially last season, the focus was all on the defense with the moose, right? So that's kind of kind of where the Jets are in in that cycle of of players coming through. A lot of exciting talents currently in the pro ranks uh, on the back end, and, and right now it's few. Like we said, there's three first round picks in that forward group uh, at the Young Stars. But uh, you know what? Uh, there's certainly some. Everybody likes Tyrell Bauer because he comes out there and, and just tries to hit everything in <laughs> sight. Uh, he and uh, Ethan Cap were playing together for uh, for a little while there, and uh, Cap was. A, a tournament invite and they were just running into everybody so that was that was a lot of fun to watch certainly some uh, pretty physical games uh, throughout that week some big teams that the Jets had to go up against um, and Dimitri Kuzman got to see him uh, jump into some action he was playing alongside Simon Lundmark for a lot of the tournament so getting some big minutes in that situation and Lundmark's a guy that maybe doesn't get the press that, uh, that a lot of the guys did last year I mean he's still coming in he's a second round pick there's that pedigree but uh, acquitted himself very well and really fought to stay in the lineup on a very jammed moose blue line last season so this year might be more of an opportunity for him to take on more of a leadership role but a guy who moves around the ice pretty well is very dependable and and really kind of built throughout the season so it'll be really interesting to see where he goes this year in his second year of pro in north america great bit of experience for uh, the young goaltenders as well arvid holm who has been with the organization uh salmonen the finn that was signed last year I'll tell you what, uh, DiVincentis uh, sure showed that uh, he might be a seventh-round pick, but he's got some potential with the performance he put on yesterday. Uh, imagine all the goalies, uh, you know, had their ups and downs, but acquitted themselves quite well heading into the big test coming up this week. Yeah, I was wondering if they might have to uh, to, to get DiVincentis out of there after getting so much work. It's a little, maybe have him on a pitch count or something like that. He'd made, uh, what was it, 38 saves, 39 saves? Something like that uh, by the uh, end of the second period, and everybody the, they did a really nice job that that group at calming things down for the third and giving them a bit of a break on the way to the win. But yeah, I mean the goaltenders acquitted themselves well. I mean Arvid Holm obviously comes in with after a year with the Moose, and uh, it was dynamic in that first game. I mean, he faced some grade A opportunities and was going post to post, making some huge saves uh, to kind of keep that team or keep that game close early on while they started to get the feet under them and Salmon in. And he's uh, he is a big body. I mean, you see him walking around the locker room and you think he's a D-man. Usually the goalies are kind of tall and lanky. You think that Arvid Holm build, he's six foot five and uh, barely 200 pounds, but uh, is Salmon and looks like a linebacker moving around out there. So he, he takes up a lot of the net. He's a big, big body and you know what uses it well and Devin Chentis yeah you really showed well I mean you have two kind of more experienced goalies obviously Arvid Holmes played pro uh, in Sweden and here with the Moose Salmon has got a few years of pro under his belt in Europe and then Devin Chentis just the young lad getting in there and uh, what a way to showcase yourself when you get in and you're able to make what was it 44 saves for the win so uh, certainly goaltending was uh, not uh, not falling behind the rest of the group there they were uh, very very solid throughout 
Now, uh, Dan, let's look ahead to this week. Official camp, like Jets camp is going to open uh, later on this week. Fan Fest, of course, on the weekend. What is the schedule for the Manitoba Moose? At what point and, and how involved will Moose coaching staff, much like they were in Penticton, be in training camp? And at what point does the uh, the squad break off and get ready for their season, which will start without any preseason games this year? Yeah, I mean, you gotta. There is a bit of a weird lull here for for some of the moose folks, myself included. You kind of get going, and then all of a sudden, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll I'll go downtown and work for a couple of weeks here while they sort things out at Jets camp. But uh, kind of really early October, kind of uh, end of September is when uh, I mean, some of the moose guys are obviously in town already, uh, having been at that Penticton tournament. But uh, they'll they'll get a couple of weeks of skates in here. There'll be imagine some uh some tryouts and things like that the guys might be able to to snag on with the jets things like that we'll see how that all plays out when the training camp roster gets announced but uh so the moose kind of waiting for a roster at this point and then the ahl contracts will start rolling in kind of at the at the end of the month here and then they'll get going and uh you know it's it's a quick run-up because i mean half the team maybe a little more has that opportunity to to skate through and, and be as part of an nhl camp maybe get in some preseason games so they're pretty good to go and then those ahl contracted guys maybe a bit less of a run-up but uh the coaching staff certainly knows what's up and they they know how to put those guys through the paces to get them ready for uh which will be a big home home and season opener coming up on the 16th of october i know uh, i know obviously the focus will be on the jets and main camp going forward but um you know the entire moose staff i know has been grinding throughout the summer i mean uh what uh, what should fans know about the upcoming season right now, Dan, uh, before we get to the home opener? As far as I know, they've been working hard with ticket sales, groups, all of that. I mean, uh, and I imagine there'll be a moose presence within the organization at, uh, at FanFest on the weekend as well. And sorry, I misspoke there. It's preseason for all of us. October 15th is that season opener. Though, if you come to the rink on the 16th, there'll be a moose game there too. So, got to love those back-to-backs. But October 15th, home opener at Canada Life Centre. But yeah, I mean, really looking forward to this season. Um, it's I think it's going to be a very similar team. Obviously, some of the bodies and the names have changed. That's just life in the American Hockey League. But uh, it seems like very similar style players have come in to replace them. So, if you liked that very hard-working brand of moose hockey that we saw last year we're mentioning kind of a big team that's just going to go to the nets and should be again a pretty dynamic defense behind them strong goaltending so i think you can expect a, a very similar team to what we saw last year so that's pretty exciting and we saw what that team very nearly accomplished in coming back in that playoff series and it is unfortunate kind of ended uh, a little earlier than we, we were all hoping, but uh, it's a, it's going to be a very competitive division again. It looks like the Milwaukee Admirals have kind of taken their success last season and loaded up from it. Chicago Wolves maybe not quite as as loaded up, lost a couple of those big scorers from last year. So it should be a tight and interesting division. Really looking forward to uh, some more Canadian competitions. We'll have the Calgary Wranglers coming to town as well. So uh, going to be playing against uh, five Canadian teams now, which is which is pretty cool. So uh, looking forward to the season. And hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, it's we're, we're back to a normal season throughout and we'll be able to have everybody in the building all throughout uh, and, and no weirdness during the season. So 
I know uh, everybody was getting pretty tired of that. So uh, looking forward to a lot of fun this season, some new promos throughout that soccer game, I think is going to be kind of a new highlight on the schedule. Manitoba made day was great last year. Love giving away the pierogies. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun marketing staff and the game ops staff and working real hard this summer to, to get everything ready. And uh, we're excited to, to showcase it all here coming up very, very soon. Can't wait to see you down at the rink and, of course, hear you call the games on uh, moosehockey.com and on 680CGOB. Fink, great to have you back, and uh, well, let's do this again real soon. Sounds good, Huss. Thanks for having me on. And remember, moosehockey.com slash tickets to, to find out information on your memberships as well as your single game tickets, which are out now as well. Thanks, dude. We'll talk to you soon. There it is, Voice of the Moose, Dan Fink, with us. A little wrap of the uh, Prospects Tournament and a look ahead to Moose season here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Brandon Rewicki is getting his rubber arm ready in the bullpen. He'll be coming in in just a moment. Um, mentioned, why not question of the day right off the top? Uh, what is the number one training camp storyline in your opinion? Hit us up in the comments or in the chat. Not Autocorp, great sponsor to Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. And folks, if you're thinking about getting into a new vehicle or considering an upgrade, make your first stop at Knot. Waverly in McGilvery, online at Knot.ca. Let the Knot experts get you into a new car at an amazing price. Why not make the trip right now to Knot Autocorp? And hey, while you're at it, you can check out the incredible vehicles on the lot with new stock coming daily and weekly. And of course, Tons of Teslas there as well. If you're thinking about an electric, a move to electric, the Not Autocorp Tesla Experience Program will tell you everything you need to know about that switch from a traditional vehicle to an electric vehicle. Get on down right now and start the search for a new vehicle at Not Autocorp. Why not? Hit them up at not.ca and at Waverly and McGilvery, along with the Winnipeg Car Lab. Uh, Big night last night for the Bills. I have a feeling Bills merch is going to be on a big run right now. A lot of 17s running out this door. Of course, whatever your favorite team in the National Football League is, Royal Sports had you covered. And getting ready for Jets season, a bomber playoff run, Blue Jays going into October. Royal Sports is the greatest selection of licensed team merchandise from around North America and around the world down at 750 Pembina Highway, but it's much more than just a fan's dream. Players as well. Royal has been the hockey superstore for over 35 years in town with a great staff of hockey players to help you get the right fit and the best piece of equipment to dominate your season. Royal Sports, your hockey and fan headquarters, 750 Pembina Highway, and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Well, we're looking forward to the suit show. You guys came through with a big one last week. So uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we'll figure out when we're going to do it. But uh, I can't wait because I got my new threads from F Apparel. And guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And if you're in the market for one, head on down to F Apparel. The entire process is so easy. You get a chance to pick your fabrics, colors, styles, and more with the experts at F and the custom suits begin at just $400. Great shirts, ties, accessories, and more. One stop for all your men's clothing needs is at F Apparel. And guys, if you are getting married or you're in a wedding party, talk to Andrew and his great staff about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown and online at F. That's E-P-H Apparel.com. And a big shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend. I know... 
Craig and his staff are working hard, putting in the new green structure for the 7th and 15th holes after an amazing season at Breezy Bend. If you're thinking about a long-term home for you and your family at one of Winnipeg's top private courses, make it Breezy Bend. Give our friend Corey Johnson a call and find out more about getting on the waiting list for next season. And you can find out everything that Breezy has to offer online at breezybend.ca. All right, let's get to some more Jets talk. Been looking forward to getting Rewiki on after the big news of Friday. And uh, the host of Skates and Plates joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Big win from the birds last night. and That was a beatdown. Yeah, I, I was blown away. I was, you know, full full disclosure. I was I was a little worried that the Vikings offense was going to light up Philly in there. But um, primetime Kirk made sure that didn't happen. Darius and... Slay said no. Yeah. yeah Repeatedly. All night play, long. Big play Slay. Big play Slay came to play. Hey, I'm, I'm trying not to get too excited. So that's that's a nice problem to be in as a fan. Well, there's a lot of hype about the team. I was still waiting to be convinced. I was on Minnesota yesterday and not color me convinced. That was a dominating performance from start to finish for Philly. And unfortunately, we had those crazy comebacks on Sunday. The Sunday nighter was a dud. And both of those games last night had absolutely no drama. Listen, the Titans tapped out in the third quarter. And the Vikes, no matter how many times they got the football back, just could not make anything happen. And uh, as you mentioned, it was one pick after another. Should be a great slate of games coming up this weekend. But let's get to hockey. Um, You knew we'd be getting to this right off the bat. There's a number of other stories around the Jets as we get into training camp. But first off, Brandon, your reaction to uh, the announcement on Friday that Blake Wheeler is no longer the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. They'll be going to a new leadership group for this year under Rick Bonus. And thoughts on the tone of both the comments from Rick Bonus and Blake Wheeler on Friday afternoon. Yeah, you know, I, I guess when you when you take all of it into account, I wasn't really surprised with with anything, which is shocking to say when the captain of a team gets the C strip, and it's not because they couldn't get over the hump like we saw in San Jose. It's because the locker room tried to destroy itself, particularly <laughs> last year, but there's been turmoil for a few years running now. It, it's just, a, it's such a unique situation. We haven't really seen something like this in the NHL where the captain is no longer the captain, but he's, he's still a part of the team. It, it's just, it's, it's really, really bizarre. I, I guess, I guess what it comes down to is this with the situation the jets have put themselves in removing the C from Blake Wheeler was really the only option they had. I, like, it was just an absolute must do. They, they, they couldn't have done anything else. They couldn't have, you know, brought the, basically the entire same team back, not changed the leadership group and expected massive changes to happen. My, my only problem with the situation isn't just, you know, the, the decision to remove the C itself. But to me, this is something that should have been dealt with two, three, four, five months ago. And if you wanted to go this route, to me, it was rip the Band-Aid off, clean slate, fresh start, new chapter, and you either buy out or, or you trade Blake Wheeler at that point. And, and you suffer some, some losses in the here and now, for sure. But I think in the long run, it would have been, it would have been the, the most rewarding scenario that the Winnipeg Jets could have put themselves in. I think they made the best out of a bad situation, but I'm not going to give them any high marks because... So you think they're they better off? They would be better off right now? having bought out Blake Wheeler than have him on the team. I don't yes. know if I, I mean, 
listen, the guy's still a productive player. And I mean, who's taking his spot if he's not there? Like to me, it could go bad. Don't get me wrong. I will, I will entertain that possibility. And I do think there is an element of risk, but to be honest, I mean, from where I'm sitting, if you can get him to come around on this and feel like it could very well be liberating for Blake. I mean, I think he's worn a lot of the burden of this and the guy still plays very hard and can still contribute to winning. And if you're going to basically be trading him for nothing, I'm not sure that having Blake Wheeler leave the Winnipeg Jets makes them a better team on the ice. In fact, I would argue vehemently against that. Yeah, you know, I, I think the Jets found themselves, ironically, in the exact same situation the Minnesota Wild found themselves in a few years ago. And and what did they and, – and their penalties were way more punitive than what the Winnipeg Jets would have found themselves in, whether a buyout or a trade and maybe retain some salary. And and they lost on the ice, like on paper at that. Like Ryan Suter was – even now is, what, a top four defense, like a second pair defense? Well, he can Zach, certainly play. Zach Parise, not the guy he was, but probably chip in 15 or so goals, like be, be a solid guy. Like the Wild on paper got worse when they made those moves. Find me a Minnesota fan that's disagreeing with that decision today. I, I, I just don't think they exist. And that's because they they took, and, and no, they, no doubt about it, ballsy move, completely, completely aggressive borderline off the deep end. But it paid off for them in a huge way because it, it really allowed everybody to, to just take a new step and, and go in a new direction. And look, I mean, there, it, it can go both ways. There's no doubt about it. Like, like you said, Wheeler can certainly take this and, and put it in a positive direction and the Jets can kind of put a positive spin on it and, and it ended up working out for them. But I would argue just as likely there's a chance this completely goes sideways. And we heard the comments from Blake Wheeler and, and the one that stood out particularly to me was, and, and I'm going to paraphrase obviously, but something along the lines of if something needs to be said in that locker room and you think I'm just going to be quiet and sit in the back, you're, you're sadly mistaken that's that's why it's so risky and dangerous if you're going to go this route to have him still be a part of the franchise. Because if you're a part of the leadership core, the new leadership group, it, I can understand having some trepidation about, you know, stepping up and maybe saying what really needs to be said when the former leader of the team is potentially right beside you and, and barking out orders that you might disagree with. I, How much I is this going to be on the coach? Because to me, and I mean, listen, Maurice basically admitted that he, for all intents and purposes, barely ever even went in the dressing room. He wasn't that close to the team. He basically gave the keys to, to Wheeler as the captain and that leadership group and was there. It was almost like an absentee parent and things go wrong and you don't even know that it's happening. I certainly get the, I get the vibe from Rick Bonus that he handles things very differently. And to me, I mean, I think the head coach in this situation has to be more involved and has to be playing a daily active role as part of that. So to not allow something like that to happen. Yeah, no, that, that's completely fair. Um, I think what the Jets have thrown at his plate so far is completely unfair. I think they're asking Rick Bonus to do way too much right now. And I I said this in, in my episode that, that came out this morning that my, my initial takeaway from all of this is that if the Winnipeg Jets make the playoffs... Rick Bonus, without even consideration, without even a thought in my mind, gets 100% of the vote for the Jack Adams. Jack Adams. Oh, man, yeah. we're, like, we're hammering a, those futures right now. Yeah. Where are the odds at Coolbet? Come it's on. So, like, you're, you're, just, you're, you're asking them to, to do so much here, then you're throwing this on his plate as well. And, uh, like, I mean, there's an element that's a part of his job description. I get that. But I, I, 
I don't know. I, I just think the Jets are putting themselves in a tough spot to succeed here. I, I, I think that the, the right move for me was just to, to go with the clean break and start new. And you know what? If I mean, it, it, it depends on, you know, if it was a buyout or cap retain, whatever it is. But I mean, at that point, the Jets would have had some some pretty significant salary cap space to work with. They could have potentially whether trade or or free agency. I mean, a guy like Sonny Milano gets a PTO and he put up like 50 points. Like, like there, there were some options out there to bring in some reinforcements. Um, I think that would have been the way to go if, if, if I was the one making the decisions here. But I mean, Rick Bonus has an elevated role in all this, right? Like he's he's got to instill a culture shift. He's got to do that with the former captain still being with the team, but not being a part of the leadership group. And, and the same group of players is still there. And he's got to do all that. And oh, by the way, can you also instill some defensive structure for a team that hasn't been able to play a lick of defense for the last three or four seasons right now? Like that's, that's just why I, I felt like it was a perfect opportunity. New coach comes in, you turn the page on a guy that, I mean, has been the best player in franchise history, Jets 2.0 history so far. You give him kind of a proper send off, allow him to, to start anew and then, you know, in the twilight of his career, maybe go to a place that the, he can have a better likelihood. What's the proper send out? Buying him out and saying, see you later? <laughs> well, no, but I, I think I think it's an awkward situation for Blake Wheeler to be in right now. Oh, it is. Like, I, I just, I, I think, I really think it's a lose-lose for everybody involved here. I just, I, I don't like it at all. And when you want a new coach to succeed, you want to make his job as easy as possible. And the Jets are doing that right now. And and I, I think I think Blake Wheeler himself probably would have appreciated just some some honesty and some upfront. And say, look, it's not working. It hasn't working. You're stressed. We're stressed. Let's just let, let's try something new here, right? Like the, the relationship has been has been great and beneficial for both of us. You know, we've won a lot of games. You've made a lot of money. But it's it's just it's time. Sometimes it happens in pro sports. It's just time to go your separate ways. And instead, you get this measure here, which it. it it doesn't really solve anything. And I, again, it could, it could work out. This, this might be just kind of like a, a footnote in, in the Jets season. Once we get to game 60 and they're playing 600 hockey or I, I, I don't know, but I just, I think there's a lot of things that can backfire here. I think a lot of fans are looking at this through an optimistic lens when may, I mean, maybe it is a bit pessimistic, but maybe in sort of a realistic lens, there's there's a lot that could go wrong, especially if this team starts the season poorly. And then number two is really going to hit the fan. And, and I don't know how the Jets would get themselves out of that situation if things do go so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I guess where I'm on this is I figured I, I look at it optimistically because I think it had to happen. And I think that this was, and again, there's some different ways it could have happened. But I mean, we've been talking about this well into last year. You know, when does this team change over the leadership group? When do these young players, when are they sort of empowered to to be the guys that they were already becoming on the ice? And that time is now, and Rick Bonus has been able to do this. But I don't think for a second that this was just Rick Bonus's decision. I mean, I think this comes out of what the Winnipeg Jets management heard from pretty much every player on that team in those end-of-season exit interviews. And, and that's why this happened when it happened, and they got out in front of it beforehand. <clears throat> and to me, I mean, I think everybody else on this team, for the most part, I think is going to be bought into a fresh start under Rick Bonus. Blake's going to be Blake has the most challenging position of this all and how he handles it. I think 
will do a number of things, but it also could, in a lot of ways, Brandon, define his time here with the Winnipeg Jets. Because, listen, the guys that you just mentioned, I mean, points, everything. He's been here since 2011. He has been the face of the franchise. He's been one of the most important players in Jets history. There's no question about that. Um, He's sort of being, I don't want to say this, and I know this is not the way the team wanted it, but... Um, in a lot of ways, we're sitting here talking about Blake Wheeler as being the problem. And oh, yeah, they yeah. just gotten rid of him. Like I don't it's think just that's, his fault. It's totally not fair. And, um, and and I guess this is why it comes down to this this point, um, the crossroads, as to how Blake handles this. Um, you know, if he comes in, buys in, has a strong season, and sort of realizes that what's best for the team is also best for him, he could finish up these final two years here in Winnipeg, still being an important part of the team, still being a guy that contributes, which they absolutely have to have, which is part of the reason why I still don't think that just getting rid of him for nothing was a legitimate option for the club. And I think we'd look back at a 13-year career here in Winnipeg, handling it with grace and still being a great teammate is something that, you know, makes him incredible like it'll it'll help his stock long term when we look back at this but to your point if it doesn't go that way and if there are problems and he's an issue and I'm not saying he will be but I think we just have to acknowledge the fact that we don't know which way it's going to go I think that does put more stress on Rick Bonus but I think as we've seen speaking of ripping the band-aid off he wasn't there before he's here now that's the first thing that he literally did as coach I think it's pretty clear that he's putting his stamp on the team and the messages that we're all here in this together there's no hierarchy anymore and I'll let you know who the leaders are when I figure it out Yeah yeah I and, and again this this shouldn't come down to Rick Bonus to do all this and and that's that's why I, I feel really bad for it. Like I, I I hope I I like Rick Bonus a lot. I, but that's I hope the coach's job, isn't it? No, it, it it is the coach's job to an extent. But I I put a lot more onus on on management in this situation for, I mean, really not dealing with this entire situation. Like we we just I mean going back to last year when when you had the near the end of the year. I mean, when have we ever heard a player in the NHL make comments like Paul Sasty did at the end of the year? I, like I just I can't remember something like that. No, it was it was the most damning thing I think I've ever heard yeah. in a post game scrum or an end of season scrum and, from and, a guy as respected as Paul Stastny is. And and management's response to that situation was to do nothing. <laughs> like that's crazy. Like we we haven't heard something like that, and and they did nothing. They did, and, and you can say it's this guy's fault or that guy. It's everyone's fault, but ultimately it's the person and the people that that run the team and make the decisions that that have the club in the spot that they're at right now. And and now Rick Bonus is just doing a lot of cleanup and and we'll see if he's if he's capable and is able to you know basically do a 180 with the same group that that sounded like they hated playing hockey by the end of the year last year. And that that's 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 why if you if you find yourself in situations like this just something as simple as just not even shaking things up for the sake of shaking things up, but but bringing in some change to to reinvigorate a locker room, a, a locker room that I think has has gone stale as well to to a degree, would have went a, a, a long way for this team. And and now instead of that, mm. you know, you're you're going with the unenviable task of of trying to play psychiatrists and and doctor to a to a group of players who have been together for so long, while also trying to be a hard-ass coach who needs you to play with some structure inside your own head. 
Yeah, I mean, th- listen, it's going to be interesting. <clears throat> I'll tell you that much. I mean, every day at training camp, and we're going to go over the training camp groups and whatnot in a few minutes here on the program. Um, but it certainly did start off in a very interesting fashion before we even got to training camp with the announcement earlier this uh, earlier at the end of last week. Uh, Brandon Rewicki's with us here. Make sure to check out the latest edition of Skates and Plates. You can hear more on this topic. Um, what do you think of the the prospects tournament? And in particular, we were speaking last week about the guys that we were looking forward to seeing. Um, Listen, I know there's been a lot of talk about Brad Lambert and the direction that his career took last year. Um, man, he's got wheels. He was able to score, was an impactful player, aggressive, made a goal happen with a back check and a steal yesterday. Um, who knows? And again, like we said, we can't take too much from this tournament. But um, man, it was a nice little start in a Jess jersey for Lambert. And I'm really excited to see what he can do yep. come training camp. Yep. Choo-choo. Anybody wants to to jump aboard the Lambert hype train? I'm the conductor, and I'd be happy to stamp your ticket and welcome you aboard. I, I I mean, I told you last week I was really excited about the kid. I I think the Jets hit a home run, and and then he goes out there, and you know, right beside Cole Perfetti was the most impactful Winnipeg Jet through through the three games there, and it's it's pretty apparent watching him just how how much the the skating. And and the skill jumps out at you like there. That's it's it's very difficult to teach that. You can teach a guy to like to go from a below average skater to a good skater, but it's it's really impossible. Like you kind of have there, you don't in terms of being an incredible skater. And I, I think Brad Lambert has that. And on top of that, too, he's got the ability to to make moves, you know, with the puck on his stick while skating at high speeds. And that is really what can separate the good players to the great players in in the NHL. And I I just I think the kid's got a tremendous future and. I don't think he's going to make the team out of camp or anything like that, but I'm not going to be shocked if, if we have a conversation or two about, do you give the kid a couple of games to start the year? Because I mean, the bottom six is a little empty right now. And well, I'm, just, hey, I'm not going to be shocked if he comes out in training camp, has a good couple of preseason games and whether or not it actually happens, wouldn't be shocked if there's a discussion about it. Yeah. Um, assuming that he's not playing for the Winnipeg Jets, um, where do you think makes the most sense after seeing him on the weekend? AHL, Manitoba Moose, or going to the Western League? I think the A. I, I, I would pick the, the AHL for, for Lambert. Um, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend, too, on, on what he does in, in training camp and preseason. If, if he's completely overwhelmed, then the decision's going to be clear. But I, I just don't think he's going to be. I, I, I think... I mean, he's played with with men over there in Finland. I know it didn't go super well for him the past couple of seasons, but this isn't something that's completely um, going to blindside him in terms of the the physicality and 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 the pace that he's going to face down there. I, I I really think it's it's going to help his game. To be honest, I, I think you know there's there's certain players that when the pace of the game picks up, that you see the level of their game also take a similar step up as well. And I, I think that's what we'll see with Brad Lambert. I, look, I mean, if he goes to the dub, I don't think it's a, a bad thing for him necessarily. I just think that for me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of anticipating him to turn some heads at training camp. And, and if that's the case, there's, there's no real reason not to give him, I mean, not even a, a prominent role with the Manitoba Moose, but you put him on the second or third line, you put him with, I mean, depending on, I mean, I love Mikey Asimov, but maybe you put him with a, a vet or two in the AHL to kind of take them under his wing. And I, I think you'll see him have a pretty successful rookie season with the Moose. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, I think that the Moose games this year, I mean, if we see Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert playing there, 
um, you know, as well as some of the younger guys that maybe don't get as much of the the pub that first round picks do. I think those games could be uh, could be really interesting this year. All right, we got tons of comments on our conversation here. <laughs> Why? I think we're both taking it. We're both taking it from the chat. Go figure. Here's one from Scott Johnson. Brandon, you are 100% right. Andrew and many other sports journalists. Ooh, thanks for calling me a big J. I would not be that, but are sugarcoating what is actually happening. Wheeler should have been sent packing. He was too toxic to this team. Um, I It's easy for people to say that in an internet chat room, I guess is, is what I'll say on that. The guy that will determine that is going to be Rick Bonus And... Like, it's not to say that they can't make that sort of a decision later on or go a different way after going about it. I guess from my perspective on this, Brandon, is that in the situation the Winnipeg Jets are in, with the lack of forward depth, I mean, they were trying to trade him in the offseason. I mean, they were trying to make some sort of a deal happen. But if your option is paying five or six million dollars to have him not play to have that count against your cap and to have that hole in your lineup i don't know i think you're nuts for not seeing if something can be salvaged and you can get something about of it before you make that ultimate decision if there was no way that you know you were going to be able to trade him and unfortunately at the age despite the production at the age and most importantly the eight and a quarter on the cap every year that's, I mean, it obviously proved very, very difficult to make. Never mind guys that, um, you know, may have Winnipeg on their no trade list, which I'd love at some point to find out all the guys that they tried to acquire that said no to Winnipeg or had it in their deals at some point. But, um, I mean, that's sort of where I'm on it. I mean, do you think, what would have been the best for the Winnipeg Jets just on that if you're not going to go down this road and you're not able to trade him for any sort of value? Um. I mean, I say go this road as opposed to just quit beforehand. Um, but I guess I do see the argument. If you're one that thinks that this is all about one guy and it was all one guy's fault, I'm not there on that. Um, but I mean, obviously a huge part of it. And the fact that the organization was behind this and made yeah. winners tells you all you need to know. But I don't yeah. think it's completely unsalvageable. And, you know, they just go there and eat the money. No, and, and even even with the hard stance that I'm taking, I, I don't think it's just Blake Wheeler's fault. I, I mean, you could make the argument there's maybe individual players more at fault than, than Blake Wheeler is in this situation. I, I just think that when well, you... And one guy who empowered the entire thing and then took off in December. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of blame to go around here. I don't think... I don't think with how acrimonious things have gotten that it's just Blake Wheeler's fault because he's the captain. He shoulders a lot of the blame for it, but it's... It's much more it's much more nuanced than that. But you know, having said that, it is interesting, and you touched on it there. The the Winnipeg Jets recognized it was a problem because they tried to trade him. If there was a deal they felt was palatable, we would not be having this discussion right now. But I I think the problem for me is that I think there's a misevaluation from the Jets side of things in that they believe that they can do the Calgary Flames. Hire a new coach, that's basically it, and take a talented group and turn them into winners the next year. That that's what they clearly think they can do this year, or else they, they would have punted on Blake Wheeler and maybe you know one or two others this this past offseason. I just think it's it's way, way more similar to, to the Minnesota Wild situation where you, you you part ways. This allows guys like Ehlers, guys like Connor, 
Um, maybe even Josh Morrissey to an extent too. take on some elevated responsibility in the lineup, take on some elevated responsibility, being a leader, speaking up inside that locker room. And, and you might be surprised that, you know what, you give some other guys in your organization a little more responsibility. And well, I think that's the whole the point challenge. of this decision. And listen, I'm with you. I mean, if we think that this it's more difficult to happen with the former captain in the room, then that's a problem. And Listen, that's going to be something that Rick Bonus is going to have to feel out very, very soon. And I think he'll probably have a pretty good idea about the way this is handled so far. But um, I will, before we, I guess before I go down the road of saying that this is something that absolutely needs to be, you know, to use your uh, quote, uh, you know, rip the Band-Aid off. We'll see what... Uh, We'll see what the surgeon Rick Bonus can do, the mental surgeon with the uh, with these guys, and they uh, they go in. Hey, quickly before we go, and I know this is something that you're going to be touching on quite a bit when we uh, get into actual training camp and future episodes of Skates and Plates. Um, I cannot believe we're a couple days away, and the blue line situation is still what it is right now. Um, give me a prediction as to what happens going into first of all who's the sixth defenseman if we're assuming that the five vets are all in the lineup who's the sixth defenseman on opening night and uh how do they handle the surplus defensemen that cannot all be on the roster so my my prediction to uh the quote clever laying is pain it's just <laughs> it's going to be the jets fans are going to be pissed off like that that's it's just going to be how it is um Prediction for defensemen, I think we see Morrissey DeMello. I think we see Sandberg and Pionk. And then I think we see Dylan and Schmidt as, as you're starting D-men to start the year. And then I, I think it's between, and people aren't going to like this, but it's going to be between Logan Stanley or, or Jonathan Kovacevic for the, the seventh defenseman spot. And that's just going to come down to if they feel like they're going to lose Kovacevic on waivers or not. And, and that pushes Vili Hainala into the AHL for another year. And it's not good for his development. It's not good for him as a player. But I, I I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. It's not how it should be. But, I mean, let's let's hope let's hope something happens, right? Like, let's hope somehow they, they find a way to correct this. But I just don't anticipate that being the case. And um, I think we're going to hear a lot of a lot of the fan base – Really, really unhappy with the way that um, Vili Hainala is being treated or utilized. And not going to be shocked if Free Niku is uh, replaced by Free Hainala before the team steps up. Let me ask you this. Now, I understand how we would feel that way just based on history. Um, What if Rick Bonus says, Vili Hainala is one of my top six guys, and so is Dylan Sambrick, and they're in. That would be awesome. I, <laughs> would, it's a possibility. I mean, he, oh, he it is. A, but he I mean, then, then, then Chevy really has to go. Okay, we got we got a situation. Here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, now I got to do some work. Um, I mean, it's not it's not impossible. He he took hey, and like Miro Heiskanen is obviously a much higher pedigree than than anybody on the For Jets sure. blue line. But he took. I mean, he had a 19 year old kid out of Finland. And he's like, hell yeah, he's he's playing top four for me, and and we'll we'll, we'll deal with whatever growing pains happen. Didn't turn out to be any growing pains at all. But um, I, I think I think Bonus has at least on the blue line been pretty pretty keen and open to to playing his youngsters. He's not really afraid to to throw a bunch of responsibility their way. So I, I would say there's more optimism from that than the two previous head coaches here in Winnipeg that. I think I think Rick Bonus legitimately, if if he thinks they are 
better than the vets that they have, that he will put them in the lineup. Um, I'm not going to necessarily hold my breath on that, though. And then it becomes an interesting conversation, too, because, you know, I don't know what the market is for a guy like like Dylan or Schmidt. Um, I, I imagine teams would, would value them somewhat decent, more so Brandon Dylan than, than Nate Schmidt. But, I mean, you run into the risk as well if you put one of those guys on waivers to, to potentially lose them for nothing. And then you find yourselves in a similar situation in the Wheeler discussion, right? Where you didn't want to lose him for nothing, so you kept him. But then you're willing to lo- lose a guy like a Dylan for absolute, right? It's it's the tightrope that's being walked all Yeah, over that guy's never going to get it. I mean, listen, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Nate Schmidt. I mean, if you as much as I think we all enjoy the character and the personality that he is, um, if somehow you could walk away from 5'9 uh, right now and have that spot, that's what I mean. I'm pretty sure the Winnipeg Jets would do that, um, assuming that they believe they've got a guy to step in that role. And I think right now, with how busy it is, that certainly will be uh, will be a topic. Well, needless to say, no shortage of things for us to chop up here on the program and on skates and plates going forward. Brandon, thanks so much for doing this. I will look forward to the latest episode, folks. Make sure you're downloading skates and plates wherever you're getting Winnipeg sports talk and. Uh, We'll look forward to talking to you next week after uh, we actually had a chance to see what's been uh, cracking on the ice. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into something. I'm sure something will pop up. Maybe. Oh, hopefully not a trade request. Hopefully something fun happens. But uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on again, man. Looking forward to the next one. Right on. Thanks, Ruiki. Good stuff with uh, with Brandon. All right, we have training camp groups and information. We're going to get to that in just a minute as well as a couple of interesting comments from Mark Shifley that I think you're going to want to uh, hear. Uh, but i got to give a big shout-out and thanks to our friends at Princess Auto for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Bombers are back next week after the bye against Saskatchewan home game, and that means get there early and take in the Princess Auto tailgate party. I've never seen a better pregame atmosphere outside of the stadium as we did before the Banjo Bowl. Uh, if you are heading to the game, make sure you get there early. $5 beers, $3.50 poppin' hot dogs, DJ finesse spinning. It is the place to go before the game. And, of course, Princess Auto, great supporters of ours and the Bombers, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7. 365 at princessauto.com. Our friends at Culligan Water have been the water experts in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba for over 65 years as a family-owned business. They've got everything you need for the home cottage or business. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and see our friends at Culligan for all your water needs. 1200 Sargent Avenue. Give them a call at 694-5180. Or check out all their products and services online at drinkculligan.com. A big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. Speaking of great sponsors of the Bombers, the CC and Ginger Ale will be flowing as well as Canadian Club at all IG Field events as the Bombers are the official spirit and Canadian Club is the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But if you haven't tried it already, pop by your local beer store and you can grab the great taste of the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and Ginger Ale in cans, ready to go. And of course, it's always available along with all Canadian Club products at your Manitoba Liquor Marts. And great Monday nighter last night. 
Hopefully you got a chance to head out and get into the action at Boston Pizza with not one but two games. Neither of them were very exciting, but uh, it's always fun doing MNF at BP. Great deals right now. You got $5 bud drafts, BP pizza plates, uh, pizza flights as well. Um, and you can spin the BP prize wheel for prizes, Boston Bucks, pizza flights, and more. But the big deal for MNF this year at Boston Pizza is you can win one of two grand prize trips for two for an NFL weekend in Vegas, including airfare, hotel, Raiders tickets, and a bonus NHL game with the Vegas Golden Knights. First trip is November 11th to 13th, Raiders Colts, Knights and Blues. And the second trip is New Year's Eve weekend, Raiders, Niners, and Knights and Preds on New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL and enter to win at any Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbach, Morden, and Portage, Boston pizza location. All right, we are going to talk some football in a few minutes, but we've got some training camp information. Let's get Remus back in here to uh, to uh, discuss. Uh, great conversations with Dan, and I always love getting after it with Brandon and his takes. Uh, but we now know who's going to be part of Winnipeg Jet training camp now that the prospects are back from Penticton, Reem. It's here. It's ready to go. The Jets tweeting out that we have training camp rosters, and they've got this really beautiful graphic on their website. Shout out to the Jets graphics team here. So here we go. I was the first thing I looked at us when I saw these group or this we'll get to the groups after when i saw these names i was like did they secretly sign someone to a pto because it's been pto seasons <laughs> spelled szn alex galchenyuk getting a pto with uh, the coyotes today but i didn't see i didn't really see any surprising um names here as far as like trying to sneak in a pto uh, announcement from an established nhl player this is who they're rolling with here um you know the they have all the names on the on the YouTube. You can watch. Sorry, podcast listeners, not going to go through every name, but it wasn't any any major um, surprises uh, to me as far as this roster. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, uh, you just have notes of names. Some of the new uh, new guys or guys that were signed: uh, Saku Menelainen, Steny, Kevin Stenland mm-hmm. um, in the in the mix. Um, you've got Daniel Torgerson and Henry Nikonen, who we just talked about their performance at the Prospects Camp. They're there, along with Danny Jilkin as well. Um, and, of course, new signee Sam Gagne, who will be wearing number 89, by the way. Um, you've got six goalies. We haven't heard anything about Mikhail Burden. He will be back, along with the three young men that were out at the uh, training camp, the uh, Prospects Camp, as well as Hellebuck and David Riddick. And on the blue line... Uh, newcomers like Kyle Capo Bianco, uh, Leon Gavanka will be back, and Dimitri Kuzman and Tyrell Bauer, who were part of the prospects camp, uh, and Simon Lenmark getting an opportunity to hit the Winnipeg Jets main training camp, which of course begins on the 22nd of September. Um, we'll have a lot more on this coming up, and we'll get into the groups. Um, we'll hear from Winnipeg Jets over the course of the next few days, Remo. Uh, but let's get to this. Fill us in on these Shifley clips that we've got because we did hear a little bit of Shifley yesterday, but there's some more interesting, uh, shall we say, interesting comments from the Jets Center uh, as it pertains to maybe the things that were back under the uh, former coaching staff. Yeah, and uh, I see people mentioning these in chat. We played a couple of them yesterday. This was Shifley on 32 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman, Jeff Merrick, and he talked yesterday. We just played the clips of him mentioning... Um, you know, about the, the captaincy, 
change. But this is more about, okay, we're looking ahead. Uh, I asked him about his conversation uh, with Rick Bonus because, you know, Bonus has been reaching out to a number of players, which we've talked about and Shifley talked about uh, their conversation. So here it is. Yeah, they've kind of been just kind of, you know, simple stuff. Not really, not really any any hockey stuff yet. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm sure that'll come once we start playing or, you know, training camp comes around. But kind of just... You know, simple stuff, you know, talking about, you know, how are the guys in the room? How are the, you know, how are things last year? You know, what things would you like to see differently? You know, I, I, I love it because he seems like such a great communicator. One day you just, I was on the golf course. He called me and just said, Hey, want to check in? How are you doing? Like, you know, how's your summer? How much, how's your training been doing? I was like, I haven't had that in my entire career to have a, have a, have a coach call me and be like, Hey, like, how's life? You know, what, what, what are you been up to? What have you been working on? And, you know, that's been really nice. And I've, I've, I've heard absolutely amazing things from him. OC played for him back in the day and, mm-hmm. and raved about him. I think every guy that's played for him was like, this guy's, this guy's not just a great coach, but he's a great human being. And I think that's something that I, um, that I've really respected from him and excited to excited to learn from him and, and, and get to know him more. Well, that, that, <laughs> never had a coach. We talked uh, about that yesterday. Yeah. I mean, if anyone thought that, uh, I, I guess maybe what we believed about Maurice and particularly Mark Shifley wasn't exactly as it was maybe cracked up to be. Either that or things went sour. Uh, because I don't know how you can take that any other way than being excited about what's happening right now. But at the same time, I mean, he was pretty clearly pointing out that this is a very, very different way of managing personnel that he's experienced in his NHL career. Yeah, I know John Hodge uh, is in the waiting room ready to come in, but we have one more clip. And, you know, we kind of heard this... Um, from Andrew Kopp during the season, um, disagreeing with the Jets' systems. And Elliot asked, you know, Kopp with his lawn chairs comment yeah, with on the, the PK? Chair, <laughs> with the lawn chairs PK comment. But um, Shafley was asked by Elliot and Jeff just about, um, I think just about had the, more on the conversations with uh, Bonus and about the Jets' dressing room. And this, this comment was really interesting from Shafley. Well, that's the thing is I think that a lot of people thought, you know, there was problems in our room when we actually have a really, a really tight knit room. You know, I, I, I know even talking to, you know, guys that, you know, either got, either got traded or, or gone this year. And they're like, I felt like I could go to dinner with every single guy in this team, which, you know, isn't always the case. You know, we just had, we had a really tight knit team and, you know, I just don't think we knew what our direction was last year. You know, obviously we had a coach leave. We kind of systems wise weren't, weren't really sure exactly what was what was going on and what we were trying to accomplish and why we were trying to accomplish it and it, it looked messy last year there's times where you know our, our team looked messy and disorganized and unsure about what we were doing and and I think everyone's looking forward to this fresh start of of understanding you know what our system is why are we doing this in the D zone why are we doing this in neutral zone and when you understand that about your system I feel like you get like a, you, you learn about it more. You have a, a deeper appreciation for, you know, why you're doing it. And mm-hmm. then you're able to, you're able to do it, you know, at a better clip because you understand why you're doing it. So I think a lot of guys are excited for that fresh start in terms of, in terms of structure and understanding what the, what we're, what, what's expected from, from the coaches. Calling it right now, Reem, Shifley hat trick against Florida in that game when Maurice comes back <laughs> against the Jets. I was some comments here where they talked about not, not really, I guess they didn't believe in what they were supposed to be doing um, and really understanding the why behind why they had certain strategies. Um, pretty, um, pretty wild to hear that. And I know if you are, if you have any, like, if you, I don't know how to put this, but um, 
if you just think the coaching change, you know, is the only thing they're going to do. I mean, maybe that maybe it will help a lot. Only the coaching change. Um, well, just see, it seems like there's a lot that went wrong behind the scenes for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I, I, listen, it's, it's just an interesting comment for so many reasons, especially when you remember how Shifley handled things and played defensively last year as well. So, hey, listen, clean slate, new coaches, hopefully a very different product on the ice. And, um, well, needless to say, we'll be talking about quite a bit here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're going to step away from the pucks for a minute and get to some pigskin. Bombers on the bye. Great action in the National Football League on the weekend. Let's bring in... John Hodge of Three Down Nation for a little three and maybe some four down talk as well. John, how are you? Great to have you back on the program. I'm doing great, Huss. How about yourself? Uh, awesome, man. I mean, this is one of my favorite times of the year. We're uh, back into hoodie weather. Uh, we've got CFL and NFL going on every weekend. And, of course, the excitement of an upcoming hockey season as well. That being said, I did not expect to have you on the program this week saying, what the hell happened to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? It's been a long, <laughs> long time before we've seen that defense get lit up the way they did on Saturday. What do you make of that game? A blip? Or, um, should there, is there reason to be concerned after that performance heading into the bye week? I mean, first thing, I want to say shout out to Hoodie Weather because yeah. summer is the most overrated time of year, especially for people like us, Hus, who yes. if we were to set up a dating profile under body type, we'd probably yeah. go with Cuddly. Right, <laughs> cuddly sure. Hoodie sure. weather, hoodie weather is the goat. I remember I, the I jeans not... as kids. There was husky. Husky was a was time. <laughs> husky is a good word for it too. Whatever word you want to use, hoodie weather is the goat. That's what I'm all about. Uh, but getting to the bombers, no, I I don't think that this is um a time for for Winnipeg fans to panic. I don't think this is a time for the team to panic. I think that at the end of the day. You know, the, the CFL season is is a true marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, familiarity breeds parity, and, and the CFL is nothing if if not uh, a familiar league, right? Everybody plays everybody. This is not this is not the NFL where where there's some familiarity within divisions where you see some of those upsets happen a little more elsewhere, but sometimes you might go two, three seasons, right, without seeing another team. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the, the Ticats and the Bombers have played a ton over the last few years, including the last two Grey Cups. Um, did the Bombers get caught looking ahead a little bit to the bye? Maybe. Did the Bombers get caught a little bit coming out of two very emotional games against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Maybe. Uh, I'm not going to make excuses for the team. It was obviously a very disappointing performance, but I don't think it's one worth panicking, manic, worth panicking about at this point. They, they're still 12-2. and two. They're still atop the West Division, and so I'm interested to see how they respond coming out of the bye after what was their first truly bad performance in a very long time. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, if there's a group that's earned the benefit of the doubt or a mulligan in sports, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, and all this is going to do, I think, is uh, allow Mike O'Shea to sharpen the edge a little bit in practice. Um, you know, you, sometimes you have to have a slip up or two to remind everybody on what made you the team that has been the standard in the Canadian Football League. All that being said, that was a very interesting week in the league. And, you know, the BC Lions win in Calgary, John, I think is one of the most significant results we've seen maybe since that 41-40 win earlier in the season back when Nathan Rourke was playing. I mean, if you assume, as I do, that the Bombers basically have their path cut out to them to first place. These two teams battling in that West semi home field 
is absolutely massive. And a win by Calgary would have essentially put them on even terms. BC now has the season series, and the Stamps have two more losses. How costly was that for Calgary on the weekend, losing that game at home to the Lions? Oh, hugely so. And, and he, here's a stat for you, Huss. The Calgary Stampeders at 8-5 and five are currently 8-0 against teams at or below 500. They are currently 0-5 against teams above 500. Now, those five losses have come exclusively at the hands of the Blue Bombers and the Lions. They're 0-3 against Winnipeg. They're 0-2 now against BC. And uh, to, to me, this was this was a really costly loss for the Calgary Stampeders. Not only did they have the opportunity to put their neck or put their their foot on the neck of of a rival, so to speak. But they also had the opportunity, as you pointed out, with the season series to draw even at one one with the rubber match coming this Saturday at BC Play Stadium. So to lose that game um, and get outplayed. I mean, let, let's remember Vernon Adams Jr., his first start ever as a member of the BC Lions. He'd only been with the organization for two weeks going into that game. And Adams has been nothing if not inconsistent. He, his brilliant flashes have been truly brilliant since entering this league. Uh, the Valleys have also been pretty deep, so to speak. And, you know, he he played pretty well, I thought, given the circumstances. But it's not like he threw for five touchdowns. This was a game where he went in, didn't throw any touchdowns, didn't throw any picks. I thought that Calgary had a great opportunity to really establish themselves as the second-place team in the West. I thought it was going to happen, too. I picked them to win that game. I believe all 10 of our contributors for three-down who do picks all picked the Stampeders to win that game and really establish themselves as not only the second-best team in the West, but also the second-best team in the league, and they blew it. They did, and um, you know they do get the rematch. And listen, I'll probably be on Calgary again, thinking that they're a better team going in and on the road. They get it, but I mean that that loss and the tiebreaker, as we mentioned, so crucial. And you know, I, if it, if Calgary finished second, I think it would be pretty likely that we'd be talking about Winnipeg and Calgary in that West final. If BC is able to not only clinch second, but I mean, they'll need to play well enough and win games with Ferdinand Adams as the quarterback to get them to that point. If that does happen, I wouldn't rule out the BC Lions being the team that comes here for uh, for the West Final. Listen, we're going to see these teams go at it again. Um, are the uh, are, are the referees going to be on uh, on special watch at the beginning of this game? What do we know about this sucker punch incident afterwards that apparently spilled out into the parking lot afterwards? I mean, there's bad blood between teams, and then there's this. Absolutely. Our guy Ryan Ballantyne was there at McMahon Stadium. Uh, essentially, what I'm led to believe via his reporting, um, as well as the reporting around this this incident, was during the game, reportedly, Lucky Whitehead, former Blue Bomber star receiver for the BC Lions, was making disparaging comments about Cam Judge's family. Tempers flared, and not during the game, but after the game on the field, Judge threw a punch at uh, uh, Lucky Whitehead, punched him in the face. There was some uh, drama on Twitter surrounding what constitutes a sucker punch versus what merely constitutes a punch. Personally, I don't think it matters. Punching someone in the face is an inappropriate thing to do. I don't think we have to worry about the, the little tiny infinite details around that. Um, but what that led to was the BC Lions going into the parking lot where Calgary Stampeders uh, exit their locker room to go to their vehicles in the parking lot. And there being a verbal altercation there was broken up by police. 
The league announced today that Cameron Judge has been suspended for this upcoming game, which is a little bit unfortunate when you think about it. Could add some juice to that game. I'm not suggesting that Judge doesn't deserve to get suspended, but Lucky Whitehead tweeted following the punch that he wished that Cam Judge would make the trip to BC the next week. So I'm sure Lucky Whitehead is is happy that some discipline happened, but then again, maybe he's not because it seems like he wanted another piece of Cameron Judge this week. Well, I think we can pretty much count on a fourth meeting between these teams in November. So uh, maybe it'll simmer for that long. And um, absolutely watch the handshake line at the end of the playoff game, guys. <laughs> if we do it like that, John Hodge from three downs with us here on Winnipeg sports talk, um, man, dud primetime games in the NFL this week, but we had some bananas comebacks on Sunday, dolphins, jets, Cardinals, all pulling complete Houdini acts was a little bit underwhelming though with what we saw. Well, there was nothing underwhelming about the bills offense or the Eagles performances, but the Titans and Vikings left a lot to be desired in that Monday night doubleheader last night. Yeah, they did. The, the one I'll highlight, it was my wife's birthday on Sunday. So in honor of her birthday, I went, I, first of all, I didn't have any NFL on live, uh, but then I went to pick up dinner at uh, the restaurant just by our place here in Crescentwood where I went to pick up dinner, had the uh, the the Raiders Cardinals game on, and I'd I'd stop checking the score when I think it was twenty seven or, or late in the game. Right, Raiders had a huge lead, and uh, that was where I saw while picking up dinner. That was where I saw the fateful uh, fumble recovery and uh, return, massive return by the Cardinals in that game in overtime. Broke my heart as a Raiders fan. Uh, that being said, I mean, the, I think the biggest shock was the New York Jets beating the Cleveland Browns. I mean, all Nick Chubb had to do in that game was take a knee, right? Go We've down. seen that happen before where, where running backs will kneel instead of going into the end zone because it's better to maintain possession of the ball and, and kneel at the clock than it is to score and, and potentially give it up. And I know, you know, I've seen statistics saying that, you know, at that point of the game, it's something like a 99.99% victory for the team that's leading by two touchdowns. But guess what? I'm betting next time in that same situation, <laughs> Nick Chubb is going to be taking a knee instead of going into the end zone. Joe Flacco uh, channeling the elite Flacco of uh, his Super Bowl <laughs> run. It was fun. And, you know, the Jets have a lot of really exciting young players. Um, I think most power polls, if you look right now, have the Buffalo Bills as the number one team. At this point, and listen, I think there's so much talent in the AFC um, you know, there's going to be a lot to be determined. There's 15 games left. Injuries can happen. Um, but there's no doubt the Bills came into this season as the Super Bowl favorite, and they've made a pretty emphatic statement why that was correct through the first two games of the year. The Tennessee Titans completely tapped out last night in a game that they really needed to have now at 0-2, setting up maybe a loser-leaves-town match with your Raiders next week with two 0-2 clubs that can't afford to go 0-3. Yeah, I, I can't think of a team that in any in any league, us in any year, entered the season with as much hype as the Bills did this year, and lived up to it in every respect of the word. Like like the Bills, historically, right? Not not a tremendously successful franchise, a franchise that is famous for losing four consecutive Super Bowls and then stinking for the better part of the next two decades, had unbelievable levels of hype coming into this season. And somehow they managed to surpass that level of hype. They decimated the Rams in that season opener. 
and then they were even better this past week. I mean, Josh Allen looks like he's playing Madden on easy mode right now, playing against these legitimate NFL defenses, right? The Rams defense, very good defense. The Titans defense is solid, very respectable team. He's made them look horrible through two weeks. He, granted, he's got a ton of weapons at his disposal, but you know, I, I the only the only concern I'd have if I was a Bills fan was can they maintain this unbelievable level that they're at? Because right now it is the Buffalo Bills and then everybody else when it comes to the Super Bowl race. I'm still sticking with my pick of the Chargers. I still think the Chargers are gonna pull it out. That said, I mean the Bills, I I can't remember a team, even you know the Manning Colts, the Brady Patriots, whoever. I cannot remember a team looking this good this early in a season. I really well, can't. That Chargers Chiefs game last week was wild, and you know we didn't really Absolutely. talk much about it on Friday because it was the news of Blake Wheeler and the captaincy and that sort of dominated the program. But the love for Herbert is amazing. In that people don't want to give Mahomes. Listen, Mahomes did get lucky on that one. I mean, that should have been a pick. And if it is a pick at seventeen seven, we're probably having a different conversation. But you open the door a crack for Patrick Mahomes and he'll barge right through it. And that's exactly what they did. And then, you know, for all the great things that Justin Herbert did, he still threw a 99-yard pick six to a fast food worker in the third quarter that ended up turning the game around. <laughs> yes, he did. I mean, that was that was a great game. And that's one of those games that makes me happy those two teams are in the same division because, of course, we get to watch them do it all again uh, later on this season. I mean, Justin Herbert, to me, if if Josh Allen is the right now, Justin Herbert is tomorrow. And I appreciate that Josh Allen is still a very young quarterback. Um, Patrick Mahomes, at the end of the day, is still a young quarterback. But as far as that next sensation that sweeps the nation, right? Collectively, NFL fans do not necessarily have the longest of attention spans. They tend to go and gravitate to new stars on a on a fairly regular basis. Um, if Patrick Mahomes is already, you know, a little bit past being a flavor of the month, Josh Allen is the flavor of today. I think J Justin Herbert is, is next. I mean, I think he's very underrated as a runner. Um, he's got such a great frame, can stand in the pocket, uh, and he can make every throw that seam route that he threw, um, down the field. I forget who the receiver was 40 yards down the middle is one of the best throws. I think I've seen in any league in my lifetime. I mean, the, the way in which he is able to throw the football, it's, it's almost like magic. I know that sounds silly, but um, the, the level of NFL quarterbacking, I overall, I think this season has been poor um, or at least a bit of a letdown, but that is not true for the top four or five elite passers in this league. They well, have speaking of the elite passers, everyone's in the chat asking, questioning my statement of Joe Flacco referring to returning to his elite ways. Yes, Joe Flacco was elite at one point. Super Bowl champion quarterback. And if you recall, put together maybe the greatest postseason ever, 11 touchdowns, zero picks, won the championship. So at that point, he was. Now, well, all I know, Remus just threw it up on the screen. Here are your top three passers in the NFL right now. Number three, Joe Flacco. Number two, Carson Wentz. And number one, and this had to be the story of the week, Tua. In Miami, this Mike McDaniels, he got the tools. They got Tyreek Hill. They're finding a way to get Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill the football. And uh, this offense is exploding right now. I, I've i been a doubter of Tua for a long time. I'm still not entirely convinced once they go up against the top teams. 
But listen, they did that on the road against the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, that was a very impressive performance. I'm also not a big Tua Tagovailoa fan. Um, that being said, I mean, he certainly made his critics eat their words in that contest. I mean, the, the, the Ravens had a massive lead. Obviously, the offense played a role in not closing out that game. But Mike McDaniel is a very hard coach not to cheer for. I mean, the way in which... You know, he uses that dry sense of humor with the media. He's a relatively young guy as well. Part of the trend in the NFL, we're seeing a lot of young coaches in that league. He's part of the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. Another very young coach who's had a lot of success through a relatively short career coaching in the NFL. Um, it, it's becoming hard not to cheer for this team. That, that said, I have no idea how up whatever it was, 24 points, the Ravens didn't just play three high. And, and, and literally just just do nothing but not let Tyreek Hill get behind them because he got behind that secondary a number of times, which, you know, it when, when you're up by that amount, I, I just can't fathom. So, yes, credit to Tua, credit to Tyreek. I have no idea what the Ravens were doing on defense late. All they had to do was not give up the big play to the best deep threat in the NFL. And that's what they did a number of times. John, this has been awesome. Uh, no bombers this week, but uh, three big games in the Canadian Football League and another full slate of NFL action. It should be great. Always appreciate you jumping on. Fill people in on uh, what you guys have cooking at three down, even with the bombers on the bye this week. Oh, we got all kinds of great content. As always, we've got uh, we've got weekly picks against the spread and straight up. And uh, tomorrow I got my insider talk column coming out. Always a favorite for people who want to know what people in and around the CFL are talking about. Appreciate you as always, my man. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Huss. Anytime. Good stuff. There is John Hodge of 3 Down Nation. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter. Great follow at John D. Hodge. Um, all right. Big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ. Uh, Nick's been such a great supporter of ours, often in the chat as well. They've got four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. DQ Niverville, and I know Nick's a big supporter, as is the entire community on the new Niverville Nighthawks in the MJHL. Just started their new franchise, so congratulations to them. But not just the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Pop on by for a stack burger. My personal favorite, the uh, tossed barbecue chicken fingers. And, of course, the real star of the show is always the ice cream treats, the Reese's Pieces Cookie Dough Blizzard, number one on my personal power pole. But um, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. Pop down at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs with the fam and enjoy. And if you are needing a DQ ice cream cake, you can always hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Uh, get your custom order in for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Hey, our friends at Little Brown Jug are excited for the weekend because Little Brown Jug is hosting the party for Nuit Blanche. If you haven't been to one of their past Nuit Blanche parties, you're missing out on September 24th. They're closing down the street and hosting a night that's a true celebration of art in our city. The night features the Moth to Flames art installation, live music performers Rob Nags and Leosa, dance performance, and more. The party goes until 2 a.m. and is free, so don't miss out that September 24th down at Little Brown Jug. And, of course, you can pick up the great taste of Little Brown Jug around the city at your favorite beer store or at the Tap Room on William Avenue. You can also order it for delivery at littlebrownjug.ca. 
All right, we got to get to Cool Bet Lines, and we do have some horse picks to get to as well. Um, Remo, I, I didn't ask you this earlier. Um, did you uh, get in the winner's circle last night? I think the uh, the Cobra got that one for you, didn't it? That's correct. I was still lost overall, but I had didn't lose as everything. I had one winner. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Cuban Cobra? Cuban Cobra. What that's a name. Right. <clears throat> what a name. I knew when I, saw, when I read that, that Cuban Cobra was going to win. So I did get that one, but I still think I'm very behind you. Did you have yeah, any winners? Well, I got goosed last night. I got oh, goosed last did. night. So oh, good. You made up a little bit of ground. Oh. Uh, and again, of course, uh, we'll get to the horse picks and the Assiniboy Downs in just a minute. Perfect. Um, quickly, uh, we've got some CFL odds right now. Uh, interestingly enough, we've got they, they got some U Sports futures as well. What? U Sports futures up to win the Vanier Cup. Where are the Bisons? Bisons are 20 to 1. And I did mention to give a shout out to Zachary Wynn. Many of you guys know Mike Wynn, who's a regular in the chat. Zach Wynn also pops in quite often. And uh, Zach caught his first pass and first touchdown as a U Sports player on the weekend in the Bison's first win of the season. So shout out to you, Zach. Great to see WSTers doing well. Um, as far as the CFL odds go, I'm not sure whether they're down right now or what, but I mean, we certainly had the odds before. Here we are. <clears throat> okay. Hamilton, two and a half point underdogs at Montreal. See if they can keep rolling after that brilliant performance by uh, Dane Evans on the weekend at the hands of the Bombers. The Argos, one and a half point favorites on the road against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And then the game we were just talking about with John Saturday night, nine o'clock start, BC. Minus one and a half, and the Calgary Stampeders one and a half point underdogs on the road. Uh, my uh, the CFL picks are smoking sixty percent against the spread for the year. If you are interested uh, with riding, check out tomorrow's lock shop. We'll get uh, that going live on Twitter at noon before tomorrow's one o'clock edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. NFL lines are up as well, and we do also. You know, we'll do a full show on this or a big segment on it, but the NHL props are out. Um, we've got player goals, player points, assists, and whatnot. And Remo, you were asking earlier if the Avalanche are the favorites for the Stanley Cup. They certainly are. Plus 450 for the Avalanche. And uh, the Lightning, Panthers, and Leafs next up at 11-1. to Got to go a little ways down to find the Winnipeg Jets. 75-1 to to win the Cup. Oh, and that actually is the longest number I can remember, at least since 2015, when the Jets made the playoffs for the first time. So uh, people sleep on the Jets. We'll see what they can do. Although I'm not sure they will be winning the Cup this year. That being said, uh, we'll go through many of these tops, uh, these topics. But Connor McDavid, if you're wondering, goals total for the season over or under 43 and a half. Uh, it's all there under the hockey section at CoolBet. And if you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Um, Remo, let's uh, get to these horse picks. I know you're ready to go. I need to make one more. Uh, that I have not made so far as I go through this wild list. Uh, Kyle Connor total points, by the way, 86 and a half. 
Try yeah, to see I, if we've got, I have we've all got the. A, I wrote them down yesterday. I don't know if they moved. Do you want me to just tell you quick all the Jets? Yeah, ones? sure. Yeah, yeah. Get any of the the Jets. Okay, uh, here's the Jets ones, and I compared them the lines to Dom's projections at the Athletic because uh, I like. He's his, pretty sharp. I, I think he's pretty sharp. Wheeler, they ha- so goals. Wheeler was nineteen and a half. Dom had him at nineteen. Um, and Murat actually went through Dom's projections and thought, okay, well, are these right or not? So we can talk with Murat tomorrow. Shifley, he had 29 and a half goals. Dom had him at 31. I put that number out in the chat. Everyone thinks Shifley's good for, for more than 29 and a half. Hopefully. Um, Kyle Connor, uh, Coolbet has 43 and a half. Dom had 44. So, I mean, right Dom on. might be setting these lines. Dom yeah. might be the, the odds maker for, uh, for these picks. And yet, as of yesterday, and it's, this is still the line, they have Patrick Line at 31 and a half. Dom has Line at 33. And if he's healthy playing with Johnny Gaudreau for a whole season, I think he gets closer to 40, right? We'll have. Yeah, I mean, the old saying of this, I mean, if you just blindly bet every under, you'd probably make quite a bit of money mm-hmm. because guys get hurt, something's happened. I mean, these projections are all basically, you know, made after around a uh, high potential season where the guys are playing the 82 games. That obviously does not happen all the time, but I'm sure those are built in as well. Anyways, we'll have some fun. We'll do well, a full pick show uh, at some point on here, as well as lock shop before we drop. I mean, the puck injuries on the comes into play too. Like Nikolai Ehlers was on pace to smash yeah. uh, last year and got hurt. So, I mean, there's so much. There is so much luck involved. I, I have the points ones written down too. Like. Uh, they got Wheeler, 64.5. Dom has him for 60. Line A, 66.5. Dom has him for 70. Shafley, they have Coolbet has 76.5. Dom has 78. Connor, has, they have Coolbet has 86.5. Dom has 88. So they're using like pretty similar pre- uh, projections here, I'm sure. The Coolbet odds makers and what uh, Dom has did put you, out the athletic. Did you see an Ehlers number? They didn't have Ehlers. You might have to okay. call. You might have to I call will them. Get, I, will, I, I will get an Ehlers number for us in the next couple days, and that'll be one that I think we can all sort of ride together. Yeah. Uh, anyways, you can go check those out over at CoolBet. They're all up right now. Got some curling odds. NFL Week 3 lines are up. Uh, it is all there. Oh, and my pick of the day for the lock shop it's out on the social medias. Uh, Blue Jays tonight, we're going with chicken strips. Ross Stripling, over four and a half strikeouts. He's had four in his last two games, but before that, six, six, and eight. And the Phillies have not been hitting the ball very well and just struck out 14 times in their last game against the Atlanta Braves. All right, Reem, let's get to the uh, the picks tonight for our friends at Assiniboia Downs. Still a few days left of live racing, gang, tomorrow as well as next week. And then that's it for the season. But um, take advantage of the amazing Prime Rib Buffet. If you'd like to make a a reservation in the dining room, give them a call, 885-3330. You can find out more information at asdowns.com. And, of course, you can also bet like we do at hpibet.com and uh, check out all the action on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube page. Uh, All right, Reem, fill us in on uh, where you're going for tonight's transactions okay not a lot of bets for me today there's two horses that i love so i had to uh combo them um race three i'm doing the chalk uh triactor box wits gato hey hey run away and tough enough to start and we'll see if that one that one pays off 
And we got race four. I am putting $4 on big, big energy. Big, how do you not uh, go for that horse, Hus? <laughs> big, big energy. And this is my $10 Quinella. Just give me the cash ready. My two favorite horses, shooting money and uh, Drizzy. So on the <laughs> same, shooting money and Drizzy on the same race. So I'm, I'm doing a Quinella, $10 Quinella. So hopefully they finish first or second. I don't care the order. But let's go. That's a, that's a bit of a chalk one too. Actually, they're both in the. Program. I had to laugh. I did that. I saw those two, and I did a. I I just did a four dollar quinella on that. And as I did it, I'm like Remus is for sure on these two. Just so you could go shooting money and. Uh, and I love shooting. I love when uh, Kurt says shooting money. So hopefully, shooting money does come through, and Drizzy is second or the other. I don't care the other or any order. That's the beauty of a quinella. They just have to finish first and second. You got it. All right, here are my picks. I'm going to go backwards, but in race number six, we're going to go with uh, Bro Code to win. Mm -hmm. Bro Code is race number uh, race or uh, horse number one. Uh, we've got the the shooting money Drizzy Quinella in race five. Oh, you're on that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, it's a winner uh, right there. Um, in race number four. We're putting a toonie on Dot and Dash, a new horse, never raced before. We're looking for some beginner's luck. Um, and then in race number three, we've got a uh, $5 wager on Wits Gato. Had to get a Wit horse in today. And then uh, the final pick, usually I save my Quinella or my Triactor for later on. But no, we're going in race number two, $6 bet, the $1 Triactor wheel with That's a Lot of Bling, Lipstick Lady, and What Up Now, JT. Um, so there are the picks tonight. We're coming down the stretch. I've got a bit of a lead, but uh, I still would like to get a few wins here for Remo. And I'd uh, love to get out there as well before the end of the year. All that being said, though, it has been an amazing year for Assiniboy Downs. And I'm looking forward to getting Darren Don, the, Darren Don on the program, uh, maybe as we finish up. Because there will be some big guaranteed payouts to go out before the end of the year. Um, so special opportunities to get in on some um, bonus or jackpots that have been building throughout the year that must go. We'll tell you about that before the end of the uh, before the end of this live racing season. Uh, Remo, fun uh, stuff uh, tomorrow. I guess we can do a full training camp preview. You mentioned Marat coming on. I'm really looking forward to having Marat uh, with all the stories coming out of Friday as well as heading into training camp. And uh, we're also going to be hooking up with JP Vijay. And I'm fascinated to hear what Vijay has to say, um, knowing what it's like to be in an NHL locker room and sort of what the Jets have done, how that's going to work, and how he feels that might play out for Rick Bonus in his first year here in Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. A lot of intrigue about uh, Rick Bonus, what kind of impact uh, he's going to have. And... Uh, you know, we'll go through the groups. We'll go through the groups tomorrow, but I will note they did name them the teams this year. Um, this is new. At it's least not the A group and the B group. It's not the A group group and the B group. It's Team Howard Chuck and Team Steam. So I'm okay. I'm into that. Gotta gotta honor the past test. So I I love that. Big fan. No more A B. It's also, I don't know, kinda can't have an A and a B. It's not fair to the B team, right? 
Well, there, there, was very, there was very clearly an A group before and a B group now, and uh, we'll see how things well, shake guess, up and we'll break it all down tomorrow. The Howard Chuck one is the one that gets all the points, and the Steen one is like the quiet leaders. Howard Chuck is the main group, or, uh, well, usually it's just younger players. I mean, usually it's more the National Hockey League roster with the one group. Yeah. But, um, hey, you know what? It's all new. This is Rick Bonus's first training camp. I mean, we're so used to having things done a certain way under the Maurice, Maurice era. That era is over. And uh, it's time for Rick Bonus to put his stamp on the team. That started on Friday, and we'll look forward to uh, talking about it tomorrow and seeing the first day of official Winnipeg Jets training camp coming up on Thursday. Uh, a big thanks to everyone that joined us, folks. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. It's completely free. It'll get your freshest Winnipeg Sports Talk content in your feed when you jump on YouTube if you can't join us live at 1, and certainly helps us spread the channel as well. Tell a friend if you can about Winnipeg Sports Talk, where they can find us. Of course, available on all podcast platforms. Just put in Winnipeg Sports Talk. A big thanks to all the sponsors that makes the show happen each and every day. And, of course, our guest today, Dan Fink, coming back from the Prospects Tournament in BC. Great to have Fink back on. We'll be talking moose with him throughout the season. Our guy, Brandon Rewicki, check out the latest edition of Skates and Plates. And, of course, John Hodge with a little football talk as well on a busy day here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Folks, that's going to do it for us tomorrow JP Vijay and Murata Tesh. We should have some great Jets talk heading into camp. And then it all gets going on Thursday. Have a great one. Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you tomorrow right here on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.